We've got Squarespace sponsoring today's episode of Never Not Funny. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code PARDO. So I have some bad news, guys. Uh, I'm sorry to report that Jimmy has uh, laryngitis. He is uh, very sick this week uh, and was not able to record uh, a new episode. So instead of uh, giving you a new show, we're giving you a classic show from our archives. It's uh, one of my favorite episodes, and uh, I'm sure it's one of Jimmy's, too, as it features one of his comedy heroes. Um, this was a, a real treat for him and, and for, for all of us, really, to to meet this guy and have him come in and make us laugh for a couple hours. This is uh, from October 2012, uh, episode 1117 with Richard Lewis. Enjoy. Hello, everybody, indeed. Welcome to Never Not Funny. My name is Jimmy Pardo. I'm the host of the program. Uh, let me walk you around the room. We're doing something a little different today. I don't usually give a preamble prior to an episode, uh, but the episode you're about to listen to with our great guest, Richard Lewis, is a little different than, than usual. Uh, when I started this podcast, um, and Matt, you know this, mm-hmm. I said... There are dream guests that that we could ever get, um, and Richard Lewis was one of these names. Yeah. Um, uh, the other, of course, was Greg Fitzsimmons, and we got him. <laughs> <laughs> um, that seems like I'm slamming Greg. I'm not. I just couldn't pull any other name at the moment. Uh, Greg was last week. But uh, so when you go into an episode like Richard Lewis, you come in going, "This guy is one of my heroes. He's a comedic legend. Why am I going to get involved?" You know, so like to me, yeah. it's a very few times that I even did like a little research is wrong. I just wrote down a couple of bullet points mm-hmm. because I want to know things. Yeah. You know, I want to know. I want to ask him questions. I wanted to ask Richard Lewis for 20 plus years of me doing comedy. He was one of my greatest influences. So to be in a room with him, I'm not going to be sitting there going, hey, I had some traffic trouble on the 101 today. Yeah. And then we riff about it. it it's a different vibe mm-hmm. and it's a different show. And um I think it's still going to be. I think it's a great show. Yeah, I'm thrilled. It's exactly what I wanted from Richard Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, Garen is here. Ah, the Beast says hello from INDHD.com. Elliot Hochberg is here. Howdy. Thumbs up. Thumbs a little delayed up. Mm-hmm. And then of course Administrator Matt Belknap. Yep. Uh, so anyway, I just wanted to give a little. Very rarely do I give a preamble, uh, but I'm proud of this episode. I think it's great. Uh, but I just want everybody to know in advance mm-hmm. uh, that it's a uh, decision to have sat back yeah. and just hear these stories uh, as if I'm in, in a green room somewhere. Uh, and I finally have a chance to work with one of my idols, and I all I want to do is absorb what he has to say. Uh, make sense? Yeah, totally. Now, I mean, if you love comedy, you're gonna love. I mean, it's, I, it was it was awesome just to hear hear him talk about it, and uh, you know his career. You know, you're about to hear it, so I don't need to go into it. So here we go. Uh, we're gonna catch this already in progress. You're gonna hear an audible ad. And then, uh, should we explain that that he that he walked in? He told us he was going to come here at twelve fifteen, and he he walked in in the middle of us start starting. Yes. <laughs> All right. So don't say anything more. Okay. Let them hear it. We're it's exciting. Richard Lewis, episode eleven seventeen eleven seventeen. Mark it, Matt. The neat thing about having our guest here today mm-hmm. was this gentleman, this Richard Lewis. Yeah. Uh, has an audio book available at audiblepodcast.com slash never. Yes. And you can get it for free if you sign up using that link. Uh, you get one free audiobook download. Exactly. The name of the book is The Other Great Depression. It's read by Richard Lewis. Mm-hmm. If you like Richard Lewis, if you like audiobooks, your two worlds have just collided. Yeah. Why wouldn't you 
want to take advantage of that. You wouldn't not want to take advantage of that. Audiblepodcast.com slash never. That's where to go. Yep. What, what's the deal on that? Uh, when you sign up, you get one free audiobook download, and we're saying uh, get this book. We're saying get this one. Take advantage of this one. What's going on around me? Why is there so much there's, movement there's going on? There's a lot around? of hubbub. There's what are you doing? And Why is he? What? Your guest is here. Well, that's the thing I'm talking about here, guys. I need to know what the fuck is going on around here. I have no interest in coming in yet. You don't want to come in yet? No. Because I almost got shot in the head four times walking up We're plugging your goddamn book. Well, why don't you move your office? Then I'll come in fast. Do you want to come in? No. When do you want to come in? I have a, I have a wound. I just, it's like a wire out here. You're wasting gold. Oh, blow me. I didn't know our guest was here. Maybe somebody could tell me. I'm plugging his book like a day. All right. Let's start our show then. I don't want to plug fucking anything. I'll be in Chicago, New York. Hang on. We got it. Sit down. Nice table. We just made you some shop. Okay, sit down and shut <laughs> it. Oh, let's no fucking chair. Right there, you oh. prick. Let's go. Call me a prick. I did. Fuck you. <laughs> oh my god. You? Good. Good to see you. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 what I'm is doing that? research for a wrestling role. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking idiot. And you're gonna be the guy that throws uh, soda? No, you just ruined your soda. It's a diet, and I come in, I throw soda. Why am I? Why am I getting called this? Signing a fucking. Look, the release is here already. <laughs> well, okay, I don't like this character. This character stinks. Be positive. Positive energy. Let's go. Positive energy. You yelling at me when your Lenin glasses isn't going to solve anything. <laughs> Don't give me this Gandhi crap. <laughs> now, boy, I got you these. These I wrote this a long time ago, and, I, and this book is that I didn't write. Now listen, I I, 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 I hear they're for you. They're I own both of these. Do you mind if I give them to one of the guys around here? Well, the signs you rip off the page. I I just <laughs> cursed you. Yeah, give them give them away. Give them to charity. Give us your copies and keep them. Uh, you know what? That's what I'll do. That's a great way to do it, Elliot. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, thank you. Thank you, Richard. My pleasure. You've read this already, right? Uh, I have it. I have not read it yet. This is Here, let me just, this you can just... Why even buy a book? Why don't you get the audio versions? <laughs> well, that's what we were just talking about. No, because I, have, I haven't done... You know, I have Crime and Punishment. has been by my bed for 44 years. Is it good? Crime <laughs> and Punishment? I've never read it. I'm, hey, I'm, Matt, Richard, Richard, Matt. Hello. Nice How are you? It's uh, great to be here. Nice office, by the way. The gig, it's right near food. You've got restaurants. You this got is Garen. I can't. That's Elliot. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. You're, very, you're a control freak. Yes, I told you that. I don't need to know everybody. I have, I've been, I'm have. i 65. I've been in every fucking club and venue and restaurant and city and country. I don't need to know. This is Bob Bauman. His sister lost a leg in a blender. I don't need this shit. I really don't. I'm here. If you want to talk about anything you want, I'm, I, you're a very funny guy. Send my best to Conan. Not to Smiley. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and that's it. I love Smiley. He's, he's unusual. Watch out, watch out, watch out. Watch out. That's oh. all thing. You, you remember you, you threw that at me seconds ago, right? You remember that? That was a joke. Yes, was but of making, course that's going to shake that up. Yeah, there's like, there a lot of Jewish wrestlers. <laughs> I understood that part was the joke, Richard. I'm not a jackass. I'm not putting you down. I'm a big fan. You're hurting. All right, here we go. Let's do this. We ready? Yeah. All right, so let me let me at least welcome the people in. You yeah, got here yeah, earlier yeah. than we thought. I Because I didn't want to let you down. All right, here we go. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start the show. Here we go. What's the episode oh. number? 1117. 1117. Here we go. Please don't take this person out. Would you politely go to hell? Get the fuck out of my way. <laughs> my brother. Here's the two dummies. Come to Papa. Let's get creepy. It's what we do. Don't ever wink at me again. I'm going to slice today. I'm going to anchor this thing. You're tangled in your own anger. I like fun. This isn't it. Man, 
live on tape. It's the fastest hour in podcasting. This is Never Not Funny. Now, here's your host, Jimmy Pardo. Hey, everybody, indeed. Welcome to Never Not Funny. My name is Jimmy Pardo. That's uh, What's the name of the show, Jimmy? It's called Never Not Funny. Richard. I gotta go. I don't like the title. <laughs> the show is uh, episode 1117. Who was on last week? Bob Bachman? Yeah, we had Bachman on. And then you had the three uh, the, the, uh, the three people from uh, Cirque du Soleil who did impressions of Ed Sullivan. Wow. That, that was a good podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know why I thought... Now why I'm here? Because he I respect quietly. you. <laughs> I respect you. I respect who you work for. I respect uh-huh. Conan. Uh, Stu, uh, not Stu Smiley. His brother, who works there. Frank, Frank Smiley. Who I've tried to assassinate on many number of times. I love him too. Uh-huh. So I'm here and I'm here because you're hilarious. I just said that because Thank uh, you. Gary Meyer from Chicago and all your friends there told me if I didn't say that, you'd have a breakdown. Well, I would, I would be hurt. I'd be very, very hurt. There's no question. Well, you're very about insecure. It. I mean, I can coming from you. Yeah, coming from you. That's my point. <laughs> if I can see it in you. You need an intervention, You my think friend. I need somebody to sit no, me down? No, I know you're not a druggie. I mean, I'm a recovered drug addict for a long time and alcoholic and everything else. But for, for you need attention like I do. I don't need it anymore. I'm way over it. Really? I, I got uh, nine tour dates that tells me you still do. You could ask where I'm going. Sure. Uh, no, that's, that's called money, and I, have, and I love stand-up. It's, and I might need I know to you make... Know. And there's a couple of projects that I can't even talk about because they're not signed yet, but they're film stuff and into, you know. But we'll get to that. Give me a second. Let me. Let no, me, I'm let, just let saying. Say, I, I you, you, no, hold on a minute. I just said you you were mocking me with tour dates. I have. I've been doing this for 43 years, so I'm passionate about the craft of stand up. You so. love it. I love it when I'm on stage. Everything around it, like, say, podcasts, parking in a 7-Eleven with a guy with a bow and arrow who says, hey, you look like a Rolling Stone and shooting me in the temple with a rubber dart. That's not fun. Using a meter and then a woman jogging. Hey, I love Kurt. When's it coming back? I don't know. He's shooting a film. I can't answer for everybody anymore. All right. Cross that off the list of questions then. Um, that, see that? I wrote that. I emailed you that response before and you I, used it. I've got all of it. i got all the gold here. All right. Listen. How long have you been doing this? Jim? Hang on. Let me just introduce you see, everybody. See, I wanted to tell your audience what a control for you. I can. I'm your guest and you're treating me like crap. I'm treating you like the gentleman you are. I'm staying in character. I'm being true to myself, which is what I told you. You're like a Gentile, loud Mark Maron. Oh, sweet Jesus, no. I like myself every now and then. Every now and then, I like what I see. He really relates to me a lot. I'm like his godfather, I think. Yeah, I think he's more fucked up than you, and you know where you are on that scale. Well, I'm much older. I had more years to uh, unfuck. Build it up. (laughs) Uh, The Cuban defector, the based, Garen Cockrell. Hello, Garen. Garen. Doing very well. Over on video from INDHD.com, Elliot Hochberg. All right, very very tight opening today, guys. <laughs> very tight. Uh, Maybe our new record. The administrator, we'll Matt Belknap. Again. Hello. We redo no, it. we can't redo. You brought the gold. You got the bow and arrow chunk. I can't let that get lost. <laughs> I would be very disappointed without the bow and arrow chunk if you edited you it. You bring that piece in here? I can't let that I go. I did three Ferguson shows, which I loved. I came back to watch it. I told my wife, this is like these three. I blew it out of the roof, and they edited three minutes out of two of my It was the first time in my life, and I love doing this. I do all the shows. Mm-hmm. And I and it was fun doing the show because it was way freewheeling and it was fun and we got along. You like this kid, this Scott? Is no, he Scottish? I don't know. What do I give a shit? <laughs> <laughs> no, but the point is he was good because he ad libs the whole show and it's fine. But when they, it wasn't his fault. But when I came home and saw a chunk, that's what reminded me that he, you know, three minutes out of the appearance, mm-hmm. it blew my mind. I didn't even call him. I mean, what am I? 
I mean, what's well, his you fault? You sound petty uh, if you call him up. Uh, you're slightly doing, less you're doing than you your do. bad uh, godfather impression now, aren't you? <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Was, what kind of I'm trying to have a conversation. Kind of, I'm trying to be included why does your in your voice monologue. So much? Which, you're like Sybil's nephew. <laughs> now, listen, do some reference. And I, I kid Sybil. <laughs> <laughs> Do you? No, I don't. I, I, she's that. You don't kid people with multiple. No, she's got uh, how many? Thirteen? She's seven? How many does she have? That's Jen. I don't know. Why do I know? What am I, a doctor? <laughs> What's the overrunner on words you say? No, you today? don't kid about. I don't like to talk. about I put myself down. I don't put people down who have illnesses and diseases. That's your goal. You, 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 you. You're all in here. Everybody else, uh, you treat with respect, with the exception, it turns out, of me. <laughs> you know why? Yes. Because you pressured me. At a social I most <laughs> to come here. I most certainly I did not. For, yes, you did. Gary Meyer said he does a podcast, you should do it. And you and you turned to me very nicely. Hey, Jimmy, I'd love no, to no. do it. You Morgan, seem like a funny Gary guy. Gary Meyer is a great right. guy. Uh, where is this heard, by the way? World Wide Web. It's on the way. It goes to the world. All right. Well, Gary Meyer is an old buddy of mine, and we were having lunch. I had never met his daughter. And uh, and then you pop in. I didn't realize he was having a bar mitzvah. I thought it was just me and his family. <laughs> well, here's what happened. Well, hey, who's behind the third curtain? Hey, Bardo! Richie Schwartz. Now, here's what happened, Richard. Uh, I was to have lunch with him that day. You were to have lunch with him the next day. Oh, I screwed up, didn't I? You came a day early, and he's out front. And I pull up my... I was I, making believe I was on Quaaludes again. Oh, <laughs> I pull up in my car, and I see Gary outside. I go, I'm a grown-up. I know how to walk into a restaurant. And he goes, hey, listen, we have a misunderstanding, a miscommunication. Richard Lewis and his wife are here. Are you comfortable having lunch with them? And I went, yes, I'm comfortable having lunch you with them. You didn't seem comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> well, you asked me for an autograph right before I was, appetizer. Listen, that is that was really Embarrassing. My wife said, Who is this idiot? I went, Well, he asked for autographs. Listen, could you? I appreciate the book. Did you no, find I didn't one, Did you skid this on your <laughs> skateboard on the way in? No, I bought it for you. Look at the end of that book, Richard. I know it's hard through the London shades, but look at this. How it's uh, the whole thing is a, a disaster on the on the bottom. Because I know how you dress, and it wouldn't mean shit how you, how, what, how the book cover is. You just like uh, you should be a cat. You, you're like an extra on Caddyshack. Unbelievable. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. What did I email? Were you, you a caddy ever? No, I never. You, you a caddy. dress like a caddy, but and I'm not. I'm not against caddies. Although I don't play golf. I, I don't like I, I don't you just work, you dress. I don't, you, you're like you know. And he just passed away. Andy Williams summer special. You would have been a grip on one of those shows. <laughs> I don't have not even talent. Bring me another palm tree. All right, Pot, I'll bring it in. <laughs> not even on the show. I'm behind the scenes for Andy Williams' Christmas special. No. I, I, but Conan treats you very well, doesn't he? Yeah, of course. Well, you do great on that. I mean, you're great. You you get that audience into a frenzy. You're damn right I do. But why do you keep asking for autographs from the strangers, from the TNZ buses? <laughs> I have uh, never. I'm just kidding. I'm just jerking around, I man. I get it. We all get it. Richard Lewis is here. This is a long podcast, Let by the way. Let me tell you something. Ask me anything you want. Are we Wait, done? No. Yes. Richard Lewis has been our guest. God, by his like book. getting a root canal. <laughs> Let me tell you something. And I want to I want to say this with you ask in the room. Me, and look, I'm a, I've been in, I've been a recovered drug addict for 18 years. You can ask me. Any I've been a comic 43. All right, I'm not cheating on my wife. I'm going on the road. I got 25 shows in the next 6 weeks. I'm a, I might do a film. I'm I'm a wreck. All right. So you can ask me anything you want. This is actually relaxing. Until I go to the car cuz right, I just saw eight gangs planning my <laughs> rape. <laughs> It would be easier to ask you something if you'd shut no, up. I did, no, I just saw that. I'm catching. I caught up on all of. Hold on one second. I caught up on maybe the best show I've ever seen on television, Breaking Bad. Yes. Okay. And uh, so I had nine more to see in the summer. But then someone told me The Wire was maybe one of the, the best written shows in history. Hadn't seen it. 
So my wife and I are catching up. So I just saw the first, the, the, the third, the first episode of the third season. is five. I'm not that far into it, by the way. It's amazing. You got to stick with it. You got to really stick with the wire. The other one, you know, is, you know, it's easier to to watch uh, Breaking Bad. Mm. The, the wire is. It's, it's I intense. thought season one was phenomenal. And that's as far as I've gotten. What, I, oh, the wire. Oh, the wire. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm catching it's a, up. It's it's one of the greatest shows of all time, but it's you know it's all it's all about it's dark and this and that and drug addicts and this and killings and shot comp. So I happened to run into a. I opened the door for some guy and I, I don't do any impression. He says, "I said, no, let me let me open the door for you." And he smirked at me like, "Why are you open the door for me?" I go, "Why." You can go on. Well, I, you know, I have my hand on the... No, I mean, I'm, I'm this literal. My hand's on the door. <laughs> Why shouldn't I keep it open? I'm not going to slam your face and then have you pull out a fucking knife and kill me. So this is the conversation I had five minutes ago. So when you said, how can you not come in? My guest is in the hall. This guy who looked like a gang member was having this discussion about why I should let him into the 7-Eleven first. The whole thing was fucked, and I just saw the wire an hour ago, and I'm freaking out. Okay, I apologize. Eight guys got their heads cut off in a, in a truck. You know, the whole thing was again. I'm only through season one, uh, I'm, I, I don't but know. I know I could look forward to that in season three. Yeah, uh, Richard Lewis is our guest. We're lucky to have him here, folks. You're not this lucky to have me. I want to be here yeah, uh, but we're, because you had 18 people from send me flowers from Chicago. <laughs> He'll kill himself if you don't come on. There's a million great comics. I can't name more than three, but still. <laughs> When I started doing this show in 2006, you asked me how long I've been doing it. How come you didn't ask me before that? I'm hurt. I've been asking you for six fucking years. I've never got an email from you. Meyer never mentioned it. I, Chicago. No, I, you're Chicago, buddy. You buddies. know what I did? I went through management and representation like I, a professional. I did, I've, did, I've done, you know, when I, in 1994, I, bought, I got sober. And, and Conan, way before you started, when did you start with Conan? Day one of the, when he took over The Tonight Show, when he moved out here. Okay, so in New York... He was getting creamed, and, and Stern used to nail it. And I, Stern's a friend of mine, but I used to stick up. I thought he was brilliant. And I was lying in a bed, and I, I don't know, you know, I don't know if this was a dream. He might not even remember this, but I'm pretty, I know I had the feelings. I stood, I stuck up for him on all the shows I did because he was getting, everyone was taken. He got horrible reviews. Yeah. I saw right through that. I said, this guy's brilliant. And I'm not just, I don't have to stroke him. I've done the show about, I don't know, 15 times or times on different, in different networks and all that Time zones, and I had, and I've had predominantly pretty great shots, and I and I and I love the guy, and uh, they treat me well. But at any rate, when I do, I haven't done it in a while. But nevertheless, for whatever reason, I don't even know. The reasons don't matter anymore in this business at this point. Um, I'm sure I could do it, but I called him because, and and I'm almost positive you might want to ask him. He might he might not remember even if it happened, but I was so angry at people reaming him. That I said, you got the goods. I mean, because most guys who do these those shows have stand-up experience. And you could tell that he, he wasn't that from that cloth. Mm -hmm. And that was, to me, refreshing and authentic. No one was focusing on that authenticity. There was, you know, they were saying, oh, he seems uncomfortable and ill at ease. I went, no, no. This is like a literary cat, man, who has a brain and is hilarious. He doesn't have to come out because he did 3,000 free shows at, at, at Huckleberry's Club in <laughs> o Omaha. Mm -hmm. and, and I kid Omaha. <laughs> yeah, like I'm really big in Omaha, really. It's, it's not even on your list. Well, that's because Klansman Night knocked me out. <laughs> no, they don't have Klansman there, do they? They probably have them Sure everywhere. they do. They're everywhere. They do. Well, I just, I just had a, there was a sheet sale downstairs. <laughs> Wait a minute. So you were almost raped by a gang 
meeting and there's a clan meeting. Anyway, so I call. I spoke to huh? Both things are happening. There's a clan meeting and a gang gathering downstairs at the same time during a and a parade. <laughs> well, it is Columbus Day, huh? What is it? I said it is Columbus Day. Get out of here. Yeah. Is it true? Today? You don't care about this country. That's what I learned about this. I, I'm, a, I'm a big patriot. I worked for Clinton and Gore for 12 years in the DNC. I, I mean, I, I, forget about it. I used to write jokes fat, before the uh, – this is a secret, but I don't care anymore. I worked very hard for the Gores and Clinton when, before he became President Clinton. And I traveled with them in the White House. It was, it was a trip. And I'd sit there. i go, wow. I'd pitch myself. i go, it was only because they liked my comedy. I mean, you know, I was saying, what if this was like Abe Lincoln? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, you can't say no to a president. You know, I'd get notes. Hillary needs you. Boom. I do it. And I had to like sometimes. And in Chicago, dig this. I'm, I know I'm free associating, but I do it. But I'm, let me try, I'll try to stay focused with you because I know you're a controlled nutcase. Losing <laughs> <laughs> your hair. It's like it's like one buzz cut away from the scene in Taxi Driver when they reveal his mohawk. Okay, can I say that? You, you just did. Oh, I did. That's true. You can say that. Oh, Chicago. Once they have you like on a television, in a movie or a TV show, people should know this if you're not in the business. You're like a slave to the production. Can I go? Because you're never going to get to me. Well, we might. Mm. And they don't. All right, it's midnight. Sorry. We're going to uh, we'll, we'll do it tomorrow. You know, and it's and it's seven o'clock. You know, they're way behind. And, and, and they're never going to get to you. And you know it. But they, they're afraid to release you because in case a miracle happens and you're gone, you know, they get it's, they it's, get yelled at for ten seconds oh, and no. the world ends. I mean, but it, well, yeah. So anyway, but the same thing with po- political campaigns. Once they have you, so the big guns call first their assistants, Hillary, and then they then you start getting delegated down to. So I was in Chicago and I was headlining at a at a club now. I've been there forever. Zanies and the owner passed away a year and a half ago, and it was great to me. Chicago's been the best city in my career. I love it. And uh, one of my favorite jazz critics uh, in the world, Howard Reich, is, is, writes for the Tribune. And I, and I have best friends there in radio. And Bill Zemi's a great friend of mine. And I might work on a project with him now and stuff. And Chicago's been – the and it's one of the best – they always say if you can make it in New York, you can make it in New York. Chicago really is way more important because – not only because of Second City's roots, but because it's middle America. And you, and it's not – it's just like the be, – it is the best the, – the, be, the big – the greatest – small big city however mm-hmm. they define it some crazy you know they, they say it's like the coolest it's the biggest small city because you feel like you're in a navy yeah it's like you don't feel like you're lost there and it's like a there's camaraderie there it's just, camaraderie and it's just a great place and for comedy you really got to score there and everybody went through there all the big guys you know lenny and Pryor and Mortal. i mean everyone everybody had to go through chicago san francisco new york important but chicago because it wasn't on the coast if you can score there, and they're really discerning, they don't. Get, it's not easy laughs in Chicago. And if they don't, if you do premises that aren't really cool, they just stare at you like, you know, what do I? Do you have any waffles on them? Yeah, really. <laughs> they don't, you know. It's, so it's an important city. Let me. Let me so let me just finish the poll. Finish with that. Then I have a question. About I was that. headlining Zanies about twenty years ago, and I was on the magazine of, in it's in every hotel room. Mm-hmm. So they they didn't know I was there for some reason. So when they found out I was there. And you, what's the pier, the famous pier? Navy pier. Okay. They say, this is after, this is like 96. He was already president. He was running for re-election. So I get a call from the head of the, you know, the campaign. He said, Richard, listen, because I had been working for four years, and I helped, I helped get him elected. I mean, I don't mean Stan Grant. You take most of the credit. (laughs) 
That and for the Lou Reed New York album in 89. Both of those things. And drunk, I told Lou this, and I thought he was going to kill me. <laughs> Backstage at a Bonnie Ray concert, because I was promoting the album on radio, because I loved it so much. It is a great album. At any rate, um, no, I don't take credit for it, obviously. But, so I get a call. Listen, Richard, uh, President Clinton and Vice President uh, Gore are going to come in on a boat at the Navy Pier. We don't, you know, around two. We don't know. You know, it's the ocean. A squid could suck the whole, the, kill the boat. It is a lake. I should tell you it's a lake. Oh, is it Lake Michigan? Yeah, Lake Michigan. <laughs> right, I'm a little old. <laughs> you sure it's a lake? It is a lake. Confirmed, yeah. You sure? It's, I thought it was the Pacific no, Ocean. No, it's, it's one of the great lakes. Are you lakes. sure it's not the Pacific Ocean? <laughs> <laughs> right, well, I always thought it was the Pacific Ocean. No! No wonder those jokes never won. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. I said, We're, I can see China from here. I was like, I'm doing paling shit. All right, so... Uh, <laughs> They say, stand by the pier with a mic. And like, what do you call those little lamps when you a pig? A, like when guys play guitar in their apartments and they have like a little lamp. What are those called? Pig meat? Pig-nosed? Pig-nosed. Yeah. No, that doesn't sound right. That sounds like a, a non-kosher meal. <laughs> I may have a pig nose and a side of uh, uh-huh. oh, whatever. All right, so I, here's what they, wanted me, here's what they wanted me to do. Stand there with a microphone and at big amps. I'm not, yeah, with speakers. And keep 40,000 people occupied until the boat came in and Gore and Clinton came down and took the mic. I went, what, you fucking nuts? <laughs> 40,000? And I'm going to go, I'll tell you, you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this fear of intimacy is getting to me, you know? I said, this is wrong, because some 23-year-old chick said, oh, we love you, thanks for helping out. Now, can you get to the pier at one? You'll see where the mic is. I went... What? <laughs> I broke out in a rush. I looked like a Jew lobster. <laughs> so I, I called the head of the campaign, I, and he was at uh, the Hyatt or something. I said, I, I got to get over there. And I, it was a lot of red tape. There was the cops everywhere. I get in there, and I said, and I was talking to him. Like, I'm staring like you, uh, staring at him. I said, let me tell you something. Here's what I've been doing. And I, I listed about a thousand things I did for the campaign. And I said, you don't understand this because you, you, know, you, you're, you're, you care about getting them reelected. I care about my life, okay? <laughs> I'm not – get Bonnie Raitt, get a liberal – get a Democrat, get get Jackson Brown to, and get them mm-hmm. to sing. Get singers. Get seals. Get circus acts. <laughs> Don't get a Jewish comedian. You know, half of them are going to be drunk anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then what happens is you, they, they have to lock it down with, by the FBI so it's safe. I could be doing – I'm not doing a 12-hour set on Yom Kippur <laughs> and, and Fear of Intimacy. So the guy started laughing, and I got out of the gig. But, but the fact that they even ask you mm-hmm. is nerve-wracking. And that's what happens in show business, too. If I'll end with this, is that once you, the craft is all that matters. But even when you have the craft, once you sign on, the producers don't give a fuck mainly unless a handful do. And they'll use you until you're just drained. And if you empower these people – other than what you do for yourself as an artist, that's when you get into trouble. Because Which is why you still go on the road. You control that. You enjoy that aspect. Of it. Yeah, I, but then you'll still deal with, you'll get there. What happened to my, this is not the hotel. This is not, how come nobody was at the airport? Picking? That shit's always going to happen mm-hmm. because they're assholes. Because they don't give a shit. Because you go and you, if you're doing a club or a concert, then you know you look on this on the calendar tonight. Richard Lewis in concert tomorrow night. The three transvestite puppets. So, you know who gives? A, they don't care that they, they're already getting ready for the puppets. So you got to take care of yourself. You got to really look at, and that's why you, they allegedly agents and managers are supposed to do that. But most of them don't do that either. That's you, why I've had three hundred thousand agents <laughs> and managers. If I fire this group, 
down to a dairy farmer <laughs> in Nebraska. That guy might have good passion. He might wheat, be the wheat, right wheat. guy. They're called wheat, wheat, and wheat. <laughs> Out of they're, Iowa. No, they're oh, Nebraska now. And they're connected. I'm not knocking people that are connected by their necks, but <laughs> but they all have the three heads on one body. I, you know, I don't know. Are they going to come on the red carpet with me? I'm no, concerned. You can't have that. You can't have them show up. <laughs> no, I'm not afraid. No. I'm, I, I don't have any children, but if I had a, a, three, a triplets and they had three heads on one body, I'd be a great father. They couldn't be in Little League. I'd be pissed off. But otherwise... I can't have a manager with three heads on a neck. Nah, you can't take that risk. <laughs> no, because it would be all over TMZ. Right, that's the first thing. And then nobody takes you seriously. You look like your Jim Rose running a circus. You, you can't think so? have that. If you have a... a you, mean they you, would judge me because I had a manager with three heads? Yeah, you got a carny actor. No, be, it's just three managers. And two of them want to be dental hygienists. That's why it's a bad management firm. Right. Because they're stuck with a guy who loves comedians. <laughs> loves and one guy just wants to take, you know, plaque off your teeth. Uh-huh. And the other guy, is, I think, just is a, is a sex addict. I hear that the sex addict doesn't even care for your act and doesn't he, even want to sign you. Is that wants, true? No. Worse than that. He wants to, wants to bang, bang He wants to bang his two brothers. <laughs> That's so uncomfortable. Well, it's incest. <laughs> <laughs> and I said that they should, I said if they call their management firm incest, I'd sign with You would do it, but they <laughs> wouldn't do it. Because it'd be hilarious. Who are you with? I'm with incest. And so they went with wheat, wheat, and wheat? <laughs> well, initially, that was a weak ad lib. <laughs> <laughs> I had to find something fast. I loved it. That's where the whole triple thing came up. I love it. <laughs> that's, that's my genius. I say nothing that means anything, and yet I came up with a three-headed manager, and one, and one wanted to screw his two brothers. Right, and then... Uh, some would consider that meaningless, and, some, and two out of a million would think I'm a genius. Uh, look, I tweet. To, when what? I tweet, I'll say one joke. Someone will go, you're the funniest guy that ever lived. And then guy, you Jew motherfucker, I'm going to kill you and your family. It's very hard comedy. <laughs> you tweet every day? No, I tweet when something moves me. Something makes you do it. Yeah. I don't do it at all. I don't believe in the format. I don't like the platform. You don't like the platform? Yeah. Why are you so serious all of a sudden? It's <laughs> not the end of the fucking world. <laughs> Why? Maybe because you can't come up with quick things. How dare you? I saw Morris Day on a bicycle the other day. Couldn't, Morris Day? Couldn't wait to For put what? My From Facebook Purple Rain? Page. Yes. He's a, he lives out here? Listen, it may or may not have been him, but I, I immediately had to put on my Facebook page, I think I just saw him on a bicycle. It'd be, little, it'd be very hard for me to recognize Morris Day now anyway. Well, he's got the kid running alongside with the mirror. Uh, Jerome. Yeah, I'm so, right now, I have no, Oh, Jerome, was he in the group? Yeah, Jerome was in the valet. So I, now he runs. First of all, I have a lot of us. connections with uh, with that with uh, with Prince and everything. Want to hear a great Prince story? Yes. <laughs> I'm doing a gig in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. In first class, there's only four seats. Well, one, two, no, eight. I'm behind Prince. He's in he's in the bulkhead. It's 190 degrees in the fucking plane. Okay. He's wearing a fur coat like Admiral <laughs> Byrd. Okay. And he's riding all the time like I ride. I ride all the time. I get that. He's he's a genius, Prince. I think he's mm-hmm. amazing. This is like 20 years ago. And I knew he knew who I was. And I've run into him since then. I know a lot of people involved in the band and all that. But I didn't mention it. And he had a bodyguard next to him who turned out to be a great guy who became a limo driver and then had ran a limo company out. He's a great guy. Anyway, I go, hey, Prince. Doesn't turn around. The bodyguard was like three, look, you know, offensive lineman time, mm-hmm. 300 pounds. His neck was, I couldn't even see the pilot. <laughs> the guy was huge. I don't blame him. Prince, don't blame Prince him. looked like an ant wearing a fur coat next to him, okay? Uh-huh. So I said, uh, I just want to speak to Prince. He says, he, he, he can't turn around. Uh-huh. I said, he can't turn around? Yeah. <laughs> he 
something wrong with his neck? You have a problem? Did he have a car accident? I mean, I'm being logical. Yes. Said, no, no, he won't turn around. Why? He knows me. I know he knows me. I'm, I'm, I, believe me. He says, yeah, I, I know he knows you, Mr. Lewis, but you don't have to call, call me Richard, but why won't he turn around? <laughs> I'm making up. This is I'm paraphrasing some of this. This is 20 years ago, yes. and I had drugs. You know, for, you know, I was a drug addict too. So uh, and then alcohol. Anyway, so um, I say to him, "Well, why won't he turn around?" He says, "Well, he just doesn't like to turn around." <laughs> just, <laughs> I mean, somebody. I said, "He doesn't like to turn around." That's quite a bad habit. Is there a, why don't you go to the Mayo Clinic? He lives in Minnesota. And by the way, he can hear all this, too, right? He's right there listening to all this. No, he had like Admiral Bird's hat on, too, with the flops on, like Holden Caulfield. He looked out of it. And there was fur. I just, he, it was unbelievable. Okay. And he's like 18 pounds, and the coat was 1,000 pounds. It was unbelievable. He just saw his little eyes, and he's writing, writing, writing. So I said, I wrote a note. I said, Prince, it's Richard Lewis. I'm... I'm a foot behind you. <laughs> you don't have to turn around. Look, I get it. It's cool. I get it. You don't get it. I did the same thing happened with Woody Allen. If I ever get to it, the same thing. Don't look. I have to tell you something. Don't don't look up, because they're, they're very eccentric, obviously. So I said, I'm gonna. I have a gig in Minnesota. I'm like, you know, want to want to get together. And don't turn around. I know you can't turn around. <laughs> I'm not sure how I'm gonna get the answer. So I give it to the guy. The, the body got turned around. Uh-huh. I gave him the note, and then I get a note back from Prince. And the note said, I'll meet you after your gig. Come to my club at midnight. I went, and I wrote, I said, don't turn around. <laughs> but I'll, I'll write this to your bodyguard. And I wrote, cool, solid. See you at midnight. <laughs> make, you know, make sure my name's at the door. Do my show, concert. Go to the club. It's not there. Not there. So there you have it. So what's the moral? If you see any brilliant you know, African-American geniuses <laughs> dressed like Admiral Byrd in a small plane, and they tell you to meet me at a restaurant. Don't they're, show up. They're not going to come. No. Richard Lewis is our guest. Uh, we're lucky to have him. He's taking time away from his very busy schedule. Don't, don't, yeah, well, uh, I have a dental appointment later. Oh, you got to go a little something done? Huh? You getting a little something done? At 65, right now, you're staring at a man who's falling apart. <laughs> Every part of my body needs could do something. I'm not going to get anything done. None of that face shit. No, no Are you saying none of that face stuff because I have a, a stitch on my face? Is that why you bring this up? No, because I, ah. think, I think you had your face tightened a little bit. <laughs> Just that area. That had to be tightened up. Hey, you know what this was? A little skin uh, cancer. A little skin cancer. Well, I'm not mocking skin cancer. No, he said you were, Richard. Can I ask you a question? It's not, I, I yeah. can't catch that from seeing yeah. it. There's I? a very good chance you can. Yeah. What's more? No, they I don't know what's more it. dangerous, going out to my car, leaving this uh, this place, or sitting near you. This is like contagion. Well, no, no, it's not contagion. This is ground zero. No, it was, what do you call it? Melanoma, right? It's uh, in carcinoma? Which one's the one that... No, carcinoma is when you're in prison you're afraid, and you can't break out. <laughs> <laughs> or you're afraid of it. You're afraid uh, of it. Well, <laughs> see, that, that's what you call riffing. A couple of funny guys, you guys watching it. You know, you um, know, no, he shouldn't have said that to all you. I know you You have to worship this guy or they'll fire you. <laughs> And quite frankly, what he's shown me so far, uh, it, it must be torture. <laughs> but we had a little, a little conversation. Right. It was cute. Mm-hmm. It was not going to be in comedy history. And he had a post about it, yeah. which d- detracted from the entire spontaneity of it. What I did was I let what these three do? know they were lucky to have witnessed a couple of brilliant guys at work. That wasn't brilliant at that all, you moron. That was, was, just, that was like saying, piece I, of yeah, business. This, no, not, how funny that was. This burger's not, no, I wanted it me. Medium. Tell the cook to put it in the microwave. 
end. Cut. Fade <laughs> it was out. better than that. You You're think giving, it was? You, listen, I I'm think, very hard on myself. I'm going to tell you something. We're going to cut three minutes out of this just to drive you fucking nuts. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. And you and you got to listen to this and listen. For, and you'll know, if Ferguson anybody knows. Did tell you to edit it? Yeah. No, he didn't. It wasn't his I just fault. got a text message. It was probably the uh, censors. It was about, you can't Believe talk it about or not, Bryce not. on television. It's Craig Ferguson. Get out of here. He told me Richard oh. Lewis was here. We had to cut three minutes. I don't care for it. Boy, yeah, yeah. You can smell a hawk a mile away and went, he's lying, he's lying. <laughs> 100% true. You, you didn't sell that. I talked to Fergie. At least sell it. Are you, oh, it's fine. This, this is brilliant. Keep going. I won't talk. I am so close I to taking a swig at you. <laughs> so close. Oh, you can't take any criticism. You're I'm, so insecure. I'm, so, I'm laughing along. You're so insecure. What's wrong with you? You have a great life. you got a great family. I do. I'm very lucky. You There's are. No about it. I got and you cancer. Live, and you, live, you don't have cancer. It's going away. I'm dying right in front of you. And you live I'm very I'm dying right in front of you. It oh, starts here and it grows. As soon as we're in the womb, we're dying. Yes, one. that's my point. How many times are you going to call my me My mother pushed me into the womb. What? That can't be. She didn't want me out. She hated me then. Jesus. My family hated me. That's not true. 3% love me. Hey, let me ask you a question. Speaking of that, how real uh, you did... Good segue. Uh, I'll tell you, family, you know? No, because it is. <laughs> oh. The, 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 the film, the indie film you did, Diary, Diary, Diary of a Young Comic. It was on Saturday how, Night Live, February 4th, 1979. How autobiographical was it? It was very autobiographical because well, most of it was my my stand-up material. The premise was, the premise was that uh, how do you, to be authentic, you have to talk about what you know, and that goes for any part in the arts, writing, mm-hmm. particularly. So uh, it, you show me going. My family comes out, uh, and you got to come home, and and I would do riffs to a girlfriend who looked like Marilyn Monroe. Blah blah blah. The long story short, the last scene was me at the Improv in L.A. Talking about scenes that I that people had already seen in the movie to say this is how you do it, mm-hmm. and then I tried props for one scene and I threw the threw them away and because that just wasn't my style. Not that I'm a big prop fan anyway. Even though some of them are good, I I just can't imagine you know traveling around with a with, okay, a, with a giraffe balloon <laughs> and then the luggage is missing and you can't close with the giraffe bit. Holy shit! It's Where's my balloon? Bit. I know. I can't. My giraffes are in. The giraffes went to London by mistake. Then what do you mean? I'm doing a gig in uh, in Toledo. Well, you're gonna have to find another. You know, find a toy store with a. It, the whole thing's a nightmare. Right. I get it. <laughs> uh, um, so it's so good to be a guest because you now have to come up with a question. You and it's early, and you're struggling. <laughs> Or lost interest. It's now, one of the two. See, I'm no, struggling. Right, I, don't do ma- I don't do material on radio. I don't want you to. You, but I bet some people come in here and go, ask, no. me, ask me a question. Oh, they no. don't? No, nobody well, But don't you get this? Oh, some show, ask, just say hello. How are you? Hey, Richard, how are you? Just bought a staple. Dig this. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I, I hate that. I you hate throw them it. Out, throw them out. Those assholes out. I don't want, I don't know. They're not, not assholes. They just, they eh. think they have to prove themselves. Well, or they think that they have to do their acts so that people then want to come to the club instead of just being well, funny in the moment. Maybe that's true. That's why I'm going to have four people in Chicago. <laughs> you and I don't have audiences. Um, That's not true. I do. What? It's true for one of you. Don't spread a bad rumor. Listen, I'm I building on your riff. I'm building on your riff having four in Chicago. Well, now you're building on my riff. Yeah, oh. by putting at my expense. It was your choice. You said it, not me. You want to do this? I might walk. <laughs> you the best podcast you ever fucking had, you moron. <laughs> How many times will I be called a moron? Know. Uh, you know what I don't like? I don't like that the fucking tables are turned. That's what I don't like. Yeah. I'm usually the blowhard. Yeah. I'm the blowhard. I knew that. I, I don't like the insecure Jew taking over the room. You know why I know you were the blowhard? Why is that? Because 40 more friends from Chicago 
last year sent me for some reason they all sent me peanut brittle. Is that right? Out of the blue, with notes. He wants let him be the blowhard <laughs> and do his show. And I, I said I don't know. And they never left you a, a card or an email or anything. You know what's interesting about that? I don't even like peanut brittle. But yet they chose that as the go-between for you and I. I can't eat peanut brittle. What happened? You got a little uh, colon trouble. No, I'm in my 60s now, and one thing, and my whole mouth falls out with it. You got to enjoy, get, have as much sex as you can, eat all the bad foods you can. Try to try to stay away from the bad drugs, honest to God. And if you drink, drink. Don't drive when you're drunk, and and try to moderate, or you're gonna, it, you're, it's a dead end street. There it is. You've been sober how long? 18 years. Good for you. I'm at 13, of course. I I didn't know this. Of course, I think it's a billboard outside. <laughs> the, the listener knows. Oh, sorry. Well, I was driving on the 405. You didn't see that? Uh, I just put it no, up. No, you had mentioned that to me. I was very proud of you. It's uh, a day, but it's a second at a time. It really is. It's, uh, For some people, Life is. is better. I love it. I'm grateful that I stopped doing it. You're going to lose a lot of people have turned off this because a lot of people right now are, are no, they're going to open up a beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's okay. As long as you can moderate it and don't drive while you're drunk. That's, uh, I used to drive, and you know this better, the improv... Yeah. Is on Melrose Avenue. Yeah, sure. I used to live in North Hollywood. Right. I would drive over Laurel Canyon at 1 o'clock in the morning. Loaded. Drunk out of my yeah, mind. On what is maybe the curviest yeah. road. Why in- there's not a million accidents on Mulholland? How is- is, isn't that a wild in Hollywood? You'd think there'd be, you know, four more cars went over. <laughs> yes. I can't believe I never got in an accident in the, you know, what was, uh, let's say I moved here in 95. I stopped drinking in uh, 99. Four years. Four years of being a drunk going over Laurel Canyon. How I didn't crash my car is beyond me. There's so many humiliating stories. I don't feel like doing a horror story thing. I was just thinking about, I drank so much. I was going to the Emmys once. I was a presenter. And, uh, what, what did you want there? What, what did you want after that? <laughs> no, I was what did you want after that pause? I didn't know what to give you. I panicked. You paused like you wanted us to stand. What did you want there? I was trying to get my collect my thoughts, you moron. <laughs> I didn't you know. paused at the end. I was a presenter. No. And then you paused in such a way that we That's had to true. give you something. It, it, I didn't know yeah, what it was. It did look like I wanted a gift, some kind of toy. But give the toy. Thank you. A Monopoly game. Give it to the charity. Will do. No, I was trying to think of how I was what I, how I was going to approach the subject because I was I was loaded and I got sober enough to do the presentation, but I had I was only mid I was fifteen minutes from the uh, the red carpet. I was with it some date. You know, I, you know, it's so grandiose. I'm flying chicks in for you know. It was so ridiculous. Is this why you were on the television program? Anything but love. Yes. Thank you. And uh, but this was going to the Emmys. I understand. And I had to piss so bad. I, I had to piss so bad. I didn't care about the woman there. But I said, but I don't think it was one of those things where you can, you know, have a. It was. A, it probably was a stretch too back in the day. But I, I just, I said, what am I going to? I, I said to the limo driver, stop the car. I was on the one on one. I got a piss. Yeah, this made a great impression with this Canadian girlfriend. <laughs> you flew in. Yeah, that didn't last much longer than this uh, night. <laughs> but she at least had some chick come over, do her hair and makeup in my house. That was good. That's nice. And then, and then about three hours after uh, the Emmys were over, she was on an Air Canada flight back. You know. Because in between, you're on the side of the road. Well, when, you're, when, you, when someone's sleeping at your house and then three hours later, you know, she sees vials of blow all over the house and bottles everywhere. And then you got to piss on the way to the Emmys. That's, this is not exactly, you know, dating, uh, you know, you know, some, you know, this is not a, a future. Right. So we stop and I take some of the cups out and I'm pissing. Away. It's like the biggest urine specimen in history. It's like I was taking urine specimens for a football team. Uh-huh. 
But there I was on the 405, pissing on the side with the, you know, on the 101, on the way to the Universal, where they were, the amphitheater, whatever the shot, whatever they're doing, I forget. But it was so, you, you know what, as crazy as it was, I was in such denial still that I was an alcoholic that it, it didn't dawn on me that this shouldn't be going on, mm-hmm. you know. And I and um, and that's the, that's the crazy. And in fact, I once had uh, f- hepatitis A from food poisoning from a restaurant, which is still around. But I never didn't want to slander it. Or I would I should have. And my doctor, who I I had a couple of years left of experimenting with, with my excesses, but he says you can't drink because of your liver now for a year. And I just couldn't believe it. But I, I really cared. I didn't want to die. I, he made it like I would die or get cirrhosis and be the end. So I stopped for six months. And this is how crazy. And I, we don't have to talk about this much longer because it turns off a lot of people. I'm not preaching about this. But it's just but how it can really get into you and manage your entire life at nothing else. I stopped stand-up for three years. I lost so much money and gave money away. People would call me. And I was just an easy target. I'll be homeless if you don't send me five grand. I mean, you just do stuff because you're not in your right mind. And stopping stand-up at one of those peaks in your career where you can make a fortune. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I still don't know why somehow I, I didn't stop drinking or go into rehab, but I stopped stand-up. It was somehow some part of my brain said, if I go on stage now, I'll never have a career. And I was probably would have been right. I wouldn't be in, here. But, I mean, I, I'd be dead. I would certainly I would be doing this podcast. But the truth is... Let me just finish this thought. Uh, oh, hepatitis A. So um, I'm about six months in. I have six months left, and I'm and I'm sober. It's you know, and this twenty year old dental hygienist is cleaning my teeth. And I said, uh, God, you know, put you know, and I do jokes about it, but about the nitrous. I said, crank that man, crank it high, like for a dinosaur, because I want to, <laughs> you know, I want to either. You know, I, I want to. I got to get high. He said, "What do you mean?" He's laughing. He said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Well, I, mean, I like to drink, and I haven't drank for six months because I had I have hepatitis A. You know, it's not catching or anything." He said, "I had that." I go, "You did?" He said, "Yeah." I said, "Yeah, I can't drink for a year." And all he said was, "My doctor said six months, and then you're fine." Boom, you're in. I, I ripped out the thing out of my. I, I'm done. <laughs> Fuck my teeth. Right. I ran to the to the liquor locker. On Sunset Boulevard and bought about two hundred bottles of shampoo, and I and then I lied to people for six months. I risked my life drinking based on some young man's assessment of six months six versus months okay. my internist. You know, from from you know from Cedar Sinai Hospital, you can't drink for a year. You could risk your life or your liver. That's how powerful it is. You know, just f- ridiculous. And Crazy. Then, but then, eighteen years ago, done. Oh, what? no, August, yeah, I, I remember when I was a young kid, David Brenner was like a big brother to me. And he gave me, he got me my first tour, my first, with Sonny and Cher, and which, that's a whole a lot of funny stories around, you know, you know opening up for 20,000 people as an unknown, night after night. Un, uh, some of them were, I mean, incredible. I don't know where I got the balls to do this shit. Uh, but anyway, and my first Tonight Show audition, and he got me, and, and he told me what bridges not to burn and when, when I was ready to, for this and that. It's always great to have. I always tell young comedians or anyone, I say, look, find people that are on your level and those who are a little ahead of you who are threatened by you and are rooting for you. Don't ask, not, you don't need more than three or four, and listen to them just shut the fuck up mm. because they've been there. 
and just and they're successful. You got to have someone who was successful and has been there and likes you, and that's about it. A handful and and have your back because very few have your back in show business. That's for fucking. They just want you. They want to eat you up and spit you out. Mm-hmm. And that's it. How long had Brenner been doing it before you though? Well, Brenner, t- isn't he? Yeah. No, Brenner's older than me. Yeah, but he was already a star when I met him. But okay. we became fast friends. But uh, God, there was a. I don't know where I was going with David, but Brenner did something that was so... F- 18 years ago? 18 uh, years ago? Yeah, Brenner, I'm sorry. Hepatitis, a, dentist? No, I had not, nothing to do with the dentist. Canadian like, girl coming in? Oh, no, no. You're, now, you're, now, now you're trying to confuse me and make me go to a hospital. Yes. <laughs> I, maybe I should be in a hospital. It's probably not a bad idea. No, it'll come back. The Brenner thing will come back. He did something really... Are you still friends with David Brenner? You were best of friends. Every day you talk to yeah, him. Yeah, he lives in New York, yeah. Uh, I just did a. Oh, no, I don't talk to him every day. Every day you guys get on the phone for hours. <laughs> I'm, I'm not homophobic, but that that would be to me homosexual. You think that would be a homosexual relationship? Yes, <laughs> and that's not homophobia. I love. I have most of, half of my friends are gay or bisexual. I think everyone is gay, but me. You're the only one. You think you're the only guy that's. I uh, just happen to love chicks, and I just I'm not into. I just can't see myself. Really? No, this guy's a homosexual. Does that make you uncomfortable? Not at all. Makes me uncomfortable. That's huh? why I bring it up. <laughs> just don't touch me. I don't like it. Right. Garen, you got the rule. Don't talk. Don't, no, no. Uh, don't no. even look at him. Half of my, don't I, even look at him, I Garen. Everyone I know, half of my friends are gay or bisexual. I just, and we, and I talk to, and I ask, no one I love, about some of my best friends are, are homosexual, and I ask them every question I want to know about that lifestyle. And it's really fascinating. And I'll tell you, that sex life is... I had a great sex life, but nothing compares to my gay friends. Gary, is that true? You're a gay guy. I you begging is that, around? Is that, is that, is that I stereotyping do. you? I guess I mean, it is. Certain people. I mean, I've been together with my partner for twelve years. Oh, beautiful. So oh, well, is that true? Yeah, twelve but do, years. You think you think gay partners are more prone to be monogamous? It's, it's, it's the person, really. So then you're saying it's 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 fifty fifty. I saw Philadelphia. That guy cheated on that guy. <laughs> right? That, I based all my gay relationships on Philadelphia, yeah, by the way. How insensitive to use in a movie based on a guy with AIDS uh, to make a point. What What are you saying? Wrong choice? <laughs> I think you should have gone with a Western. And a little. <laughs> <laughs> Cousin Everett should have went Cousin Everett. should have gone with, like, True Grit. <laughs> yeah, you go classic. Yeah. Uh, listen, Richard Lewis yeah. is here. He just made a joke. Uh, now, listen. God, you are really what an happened? asshole. What happened? <laughs> he just made a joke. It's not like my joke with my mother. Oh, he just finished his macaroni and cheese. <laughs> I'm thrilled you're here. I'm, I'm, good, I'm good. Have like a ball. All right, so why don't you talk for a while? I'm, I'm fried. I, and I'm burned out that I, I'm fried that I can't remember oh, the that David Brennan thing. That going to drive you crazy. You're going to email it to me later. Here's that Brennan stuff. Uh, I already story. wrote to you, but I just haven't pressed send yet. <laughs> you're dead. <laughs> If I live walking to my car, which right now, I know, you it, it is a Mercedes. I've had it for, since 89. It only has 84,000 miles. Because you don't like to drive anywhere. But right now, it's a Pinto. Believe me. <laughs> don't know what that means. Well, uh, no. Something about the gangs outside. That's right. Yeah, these kids like anything. <laughs> uh, I just did a gig with Brenner up in Denver. No, Aspen. I was in Aspen with David. Yeah, he loved, yeah that's a big place for him. And, uh, a great guy. I, actually, yeah, what does he do up there? He does something for those people. Yeah, he did, well, he lived there for a while. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, no, he, he does uh, a lot of charity. It was very nice. I hosted a, uh, a seminar up there about uh, about fathers. About being, drama? Being, about being fathers in, uh, in entertainment. And I was the moderator, and he was on the panel. <laughs> You don't wow, have, you I don't wish have I was there. Me. I would have flown to Aspen so fast. 
being a, fa- a that's father. That's your best friend. That's your lover you're fuck talking him about. Fuck him and fuck you. That sounds like the most boring <laughs> seminar in the history of the world. And what, what are you following that up with? Polo shirts not to wear in Maui. <laughs> Jesus. Hey, God, get for another vote. Let's pitch that idea. I'll, I'll moderate that. Let me tell you, I was lying. I'll be if, yeah, if, that if, the, bre- if the bread's right, I'm there. Right? <laughs> Fucking A. Three of us talking about the shirts. About shirts. Are we? Yeah, which ones to wear and which ones not to. I go to that seminar. I couldn't live in Hawaii and stay sober, could you? Uh, I don't think I could. If I was all alone in one of these beautiful places, with my wife, you know, if I, I'd have to leave my wife because she would throw me into a hospital. That's the only problem. I'd have to get divorced. But then don't move there. It just sounds like there's an easy solution. <laughs> why don't, not? Don't go to, you, you just said why not. There's eight reasons. You get divorced. You a guy shot a bow and arrow at my head walking to a podcast. That's being heard in Iceland. Yes, it's and I shouldn't think about living in Maui. No, you're just I'm not going to say more on reasons why you shouldn't, and then I say, yeah, you shouldn't, and you say why. That's your improv skill. I can't wait to send this fucking email when I get on video, <laughs> and I want you to post it on your whatever this thing is, wherever I am in this scary room. This is like this is like doing a podcast in Gitmo. Sent tip an email that said, "Hey, by the way, to remind you, we do video. If that dis- affects what yeah, black t-shirt I, 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 wear. I never change my clothes. That it's was all the black. Joke. It's all black t-shirt." And he wrote back, "Blow me." That's what he wrote back, <laughs> and I laughed out loud. Well, because I don't want to be told how to dress for a I fucking don't. podcast on the top of a Seven Eleven where I got eight guys shooting. I was doing you a favor in case you wanted to, you didn't know maybe it, that was my polite way of saying if you want to wear a special thing you do it I don't care what you Can come I in what impression who was that was that uh, Hal Linden that voice <laughs> I do one of the better Barney Millers yes you're, you're, you should say because no one know I have a problem of doing uh, you're talking to the same guy that's why I stopped doing colleges. And I love. You know, I used to be when you when you do. I I now love playing when I play Vegas and Lang City because I'm you know because I'm I'm older than half the audience anyway at this point. But I used to be so intimidated looking at some you know always thinking mob shit and all that crap and there's a lot of it's old bullshit anyway. But but still, but now you know I can say anything I want. Mm-hmm. You know, but you still got to be careful because if you say references, anything you mentioned like a rock reference. I mean, like one of my best friends who died, Warren Zevon. Half the audience doesn't even know who Warren Zevon is, and, it, and it's pathetic. But they didn't Gene, know who he was when he was alive either. Well, I mean, in fairness yeah, to yeah. Warren, he chose well, uh, a path. Well, he was a genius. Uh, you're yeah. not, well, he used you to know, go to my gym. We used to work out at the same yeah, well, gym. Warren, but, yeah, but he's one of those guys who is like you know, who is like or th- or th- who he's like a. A songwriter's songwriter. So everyone in the business knows God. He's like God, like a God. That's all that mattered to him, that he got the respect. And, of course, he wanted to make – he could have gone more commercial, but sure. that wasn't what he wanted to do. With all the res- – well, you know, I, I looked out because I had some commercial breaks on TV with sitcoms. And, you know, Curb is not hardly a commercial sitcom, but it's all over the world. So that was a break. I mean, 15 years on sitcoms. Mm-hmm. But my stand-up, though, I would never like. Uh, I, I don't care if I'm not. If I'm not. If no one understands it, I never cared. Here's what I love about you as a stand-up, but I mean this. And if you allow me to compliment you for a moment, I, I will be back in Hollywood on February 23rd at the. Uh, no, I am because I, I thought I didn't do Hollywood in, t- in ten years. I did it last April. And uh, you're doing at the Coronet. The Lar- oh, you're doing Largo. you're doing Largo. Yeah, I, yeah, it's uh, cool. It's a cool venue. I love that. Actually, I see Jimmy Webb there, and I do shows there myself now. Here was what I wanted to say, if you allow me to compliment you for a moment. I love that you're known, and this is not a slight on your acting career, that you're known for being a comedian. 
And I love that. Like, my mother doesn't go, oh, the actor Richard Lewis. She says the comedian Richard Lewis. And I think that's phenomenal There's because there's very few of you guys. And I think it's a compliment to how, uh, how you made it as a comic. Well, how would you define Jimmy Fallon? Unwatchable. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, I focus it. Oh, I, I what happened? Uh, no, I like Jimmy. He's a good No, friend. but is he an actor, a comedian? What is he? He's an actor, right? I think he's a comedian. I think he's a comedian oh. that went into acting. Was he a stand-up first? Yeah, he did stand-up. He used to do uh, shows at the Improv on Melrose. Oh, really? Yeah. Then, oh, yeah, he was another one of the young I never kids go in, that I... ran past me. No, come on. No, don't be hard on yourself. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm stating fact. He's Turtles on... ran past you. I'm doing a podcast <laughs> above a 7-Eleven. He's got a late-night talk show. No, I like 7-Elevens. <laughs> it doesn't matter. That's not part of the equation. <laughs> I like that guy. I like Seven Elevens. Don't be mad at Fallon. Makes no sense. Uh, I don't make any sense. I'm I a hoax. I, I admit I'm a hoax. I've gotten away with with comedy murder. I don't. You know, all I do is talk about myself and unravel myself on stage and get off, and they pay me. How much do you I don't look at those notes it. on stage? How much? I don't have any. I haven't used them for two. You don't do that anymore. No. The, here's the deal. Now you know what I. I had about, I write continually. I had like 40 hours of material. So I knew I was set for TV for life, for eight lives. And never repeat. And I always would write what, like if I did Conan like eight times, I knew each show I did, so I would never repeat a line. You know, I knew it. So, and I would add a little half the shows anyway. I don't know what I would do. But anyway, I would bring, let's say I did a nightclub like in New York, Caroline's, three times a year. I would bring two hours on a yellow sheet, each, and all new. And every show was new. So the next time I'd come in four months later, another sheet. So I would do like five hours of new material at that club. Mm-hmm. The only way I could do that is bring the sheet on stage. Okay? And and one, and one of my 98 managers who I fired said something to me. He said, Richard, look. I said, and I did it on Carnegie Hall. I did it in HBO specials. Yeah. Because I, I felt like if I, I felt like why it was a cool thing. I was grandiose enough to think that fans of mine said, wow, how cool this is that this guy's doing stuff right out of the gate. Even on talk shows, I never even tried them out. I didn't care. I cared about how I was feeling, not if, you know, and if it was funny, great. If not, I'm out of the business. So some guy, some manager said, hey, but it looks like a work in progress. And then it hit me like a fucking ton of bricks. I went, when it is a work in progress? He said, yeah, but people pay to see you. And they see, and all, but when I looked down at that sheet, it took me months to get that sheet. It wasn't like I was just writing shit down there. Every line, every it was one word under like fear of intimacy. Thirty things under that. The circus, for example. I don't know. I wouldn't. I don't think I ever had a thing. The circus. But if I did thirty circus premises, mm-hmm. not just jokes, but premises. And then I would look down. But when I looked down at circus, I would pop up for twenty minutes and talk about it. But if I didn't have that sheet there, I would probably not remember circus. Right. And if and if I and if I even thought of the circus, I would maybe remember one out of the thirty jokes, and that pissed me off. I couldn't take it. So he says, "Yeah, but it looks. It, why don't you try it the traditional way?" I go, "Yeah, I guess so." So now, I do it, and I've never had a better run these last ten years. I've never been better on stage. I just don't. What I do is I stay in my hotel room, ten hours before the show, and between shows, and bring my iPod. And look at, you know, hundreds and thousands of, of ideas and then pop on a stage and know what I did. And if I have two shows one night, I say I'm going to come right out of the gate with this, knowing that I'm not going to like at least I know I'll do at least an hour and a half with two hours of material that night, not just 
In other words, I don't have an act, is what I'm trying mm. to say. But I'm better on stage because I'm now, I panic. When I hear, ladies and gentlemen, Richard Lewis, I am clueless. When I had that yellow sheet in my paper, like when I was flying like with Prince, when I was telling you, mm. I had my yellow sheet with me for that month, which had about three hours of material. That's, that's plenty. So I didn't have to, and that's all I had with me, you know. And if I lost it, I would have been, you know. Not your SOL. I, I would have been a lawyer or something. Make that jump. I mean, I was that stupid not to make Copies? Xeroxes. Mm-hmm. I was, well, it's called alcoholism. Yeah, you were drunk. No, I wasn't uh, always drunk. No, no, I, 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 showed up pretty, I showed up pretty much, you know, acting particularly. I knew that I knew when to show up. Didn't uh, Stand up, too. I mean, you know, I knew, like, I didn't want to fuck up. Mm-hmm. It, was, it, it was, my life was fucked up after the gigs. Not to, not to think, I mean, I once repeated a joke on a Larry King show, and it was really, I mean, that, you know, there are times when you just can't help yourself, and in the hotel three hours before, if you have a bottle of wine, you're not going to be that good on Larry King two hours later, you know. Mm-hmm. You're just not going to be. You're going to be slower and, and dull and... So, you know, it caught up with me finally. That's when I quit stand-up for three years because I knew that I was going to lose my, my career. I know what David Brenner said. You two had asked me this. He was, he was a big star, and, I was, and, and he, we were best friends, and I was at his, his brownstone in New York. It was across at the time from Bill Cosby's. And it was like, I'm living in a shithole. I'm broke. But they, well, I was really like a, a big, young, like Leno and me and Crystal and... You know, that was a Freddie Prince, Kaufman. We were like the guy. You know, oh, there's Lane Boozer. There was, it was a handful, mm-hmm. but only a handful. And uh, But I was I had no money, but I didn't care. Because like if Steve Allen would walk in or Milton Berle would go, hey, you're hilarious. I'd go, who needed money? I mean, it was like a dream. Mm-hmm. I was living in a dream. And Brennan was on TV all the time and, and hosting it tonight. I, and this is about best friend. I mean, how did this happen? I didn't care about the money. And... Um, I wanted it, and then I'm walking around Brennan's Brownstone, which was so beautiful. I mean, everything was beautiful. And he says, Richard, he says, I bought this Brownstone with jokes. And I'll always remember that. I went, and it hit me like a ton of bricks, like, wow, that's all it takes. If I could only just score. You know, you need breaks and all that. Mm-hmm. So when I was, when I bottomed on, August, on the night of August 3rd, 1994, I had like crystal meth, and I was snorting it, and I was I was hiding from people for a week. I looked like like a Jewish Howard uses like Howard uses Cantor, <laughs> and people you know. And I looked in the mirror and and I have a beautiful home. Still still live there, in Hollywood. And and I'm looking in the mirror and I bought this whole house and the furnishings and and I'd already this is like you know I'd already been in series at Carnegie Hall, but I was dying. And I looked in the mirror and I went, I bought this fucking house with jokes and I'm going to die in this bedroom putting this shit up my nose? No fucking way. That's when I bought them. And I called friends and said, get me to the hospital fast. I think I'm going to have a heart attack. And that's when I stopped. Great. Because that joke thing really was the reminder. That made me feel so pitiful and so... I mean, we always feel, you know, comics and people in the business always feel unworthy and, you know, how we're raised and we're abused and all that shit. But... But to feel ungrateful, that's when I felt pitiful. I said, how can I be this ungrateful that I worked so hard to establish myself and become whatever I was and to, and to live with a nice, beautiful roof over my head, a dream house, really, and to just put this shit up my nose and have a heart attack and die and that's the end of it and be a casualty? Fuck that. 
So I'm glad, I, you know, it's not easy to get to that bottom. And that bottom is now used so much. You know this, Jimmy. It's like a cliche, you know, mm-hmm. because people come in and out of rehab. That's why, you know, I don't like even talking about it that much. It was, it's, it's a personal trip for everybody. It's how you want to live your life and conduct your affairs. Everybody's bottom is different. I mean, that's the, you know, yeah. that's the truth. Right. And, and if I didn't have the money at the time, uh, that made it easier for me to stay drunk and loaded longer mm-hmm. because I had a cushion. The bills were being paid. That was the unfortunate side of yeah. it. You know. Uh, so anyway, I'll let you uh, – how funny was that, by the way? Was Very. Because I Very. did – that was my first Tonight Show riff. Oh, was that it? Yeah. Oh, Johnny must have loved that. Well, I had to wait. He didn't put me on for a year after that. <laughs> uh, hey, let's take a break. Uh, but you alluded to something. I do want to talk about when you started. I hope I alluded I'm, to I'm something. about it. I've been here for about eight hours already. Um, Jesus Christ. Do I have to wear these cuffs? <laughs> for a fellow that doesn't like talking about how he doesn't, uh, about drinking, you surely talk about uh, how you don't drink anymore. I do? What happened? <laughs> Hello, peace. Um, all right, let's take Yoko. a Yoko. I have to, I, you know what? I'm going to start calling this. i got to pee like Richard Lewis the night of the Emmys. <laughs> That's how bad I've got to go. And that's well, I'm, 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 I'm proud of the fact that I'm not ashamed of any of that shit anymore. Who's mad at somebody here? Well, you, just, you were just putting me down for talking about the drinking. Uh, am I, you called me moron nine times. We're friends. Moron in Yiddish means king of the earth. <laughs> Who doesn't? I mean, that's right. Google, will you Google that for me, Karen? I didn't uh, realize that. Well, because you're a moron. Five times now. I meant king of the earth. <laughs> I see. We'll be back. Let's take a break to thank Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio, for sponsoring today's show. Squarespace works hard to make sure their features, designs, and style options are constantly improving and ready to help you make the most beautiful website tailored just for you. Plus, every Squarespace plan is now fully able to support commerce functionality. That means that every single Squarespace customer can now begin selling products online. Not a customer yet? Start your free trial with no credit card required at squarespace.com. If you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code PARDO to get 10% off and let them know we sent you. Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. We've also got Warby Parker sponsoring today's episode of Never Not Funny. Warby Parker was founded with a rebellious spirit and a lofty objective, to create boutique-quality, classically-crafted eyewear at a revolutionary price point. Almost 1 billion people worldwide lack access to glasses. This means that 15% of the global population cannot effectively learn or work, a problem that Warby Parker is determined to address. Warby Parker has partnered with nonprofits like Vision Spring to ensure that for every pair of glasses sold, a pair is distributed to someone in need. Warby Parker understands that everyone has the right to see. They get it. Let me say it one more time. Their home try-on program is the best. Order five pairs of glasses shipped directly to you so you can try them on in the comfort of your own home and get feedback from friends, family, and colleagues. Keep the frames for five days and then send them back using the prepaid return shipping label. There's no obligation to purchase and it's so easy. Order at warbyparker.com NNF and you'll receive free expedited three-day air shipping. Don't forget, that's warbyparker.com NNF. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the program. Richard Lewis is here. I went to the restroom. It was a disaster. Uh, it, was sm- it was smoky in there. Full it? of smoke. And, uh, somebody Why'd else- you have the guy arrested? I, I can't. Because uh, I think they're Armenian mob. Really? I don't want to end up in a ditch somewhere. They have to find a ditch in Los Angeles. I put the Armenians down, really, just because all they do is make rugs. <laughs> That's, I hate that stereotype. You ever hear that? Armenians, they just make rugs. That's stupid. Didn't even know they made Armenian no, rugs? That's like a stereotype for those people. It's so horrible. 
You started it. No, I, I'm saying I'm against <laughs> You that. went on Carson in 1977. <laughs> and did the Armenian road junk. And did the Armenian road junk. No, but that was about toupees. That the, guys, the guy went broke because he thought rugs meant hair. It wasn't clear. And he put his rug on, as a welcome mat and his wife killed him. Wow. It's a great story. <laughs> it takes too long. It's about, I wrote a book about it. Oh, an entire novel? Called My Rug, My Death. <laughs> I'll read it. Is it available on audio? Uh, no, audio? I gave it to you. Now you said, I read it already. I'll give it to my friends. How, I'm a dick for having read your hey, book? Listen, forget my book. It's 10 years old, although it's not bad. But the book people should read who this like comedy. Book. I'm Dying Up Here by William Nadelcedar. And, and uh, it, the movie rights have been bought already. And we, we've talked we, about this maybe book before. You, maybe you can play me. I would love to. Yeah, you're like Why 30 not? years I too old. How's that? Ripped for, you off for 33 months of my career anyway. Um, other people have too. I don't want to mention any names, but um, like everybody. But anyway, who cares? Now, everyone, listen, everyone gets ripped off. Listen, here's the thing. When you have, people actually when, go in and rip people off. When you have strong personalities, I think it's easy. You know, I, whenever I work with a kid, the next week I hear, hey, this guy's doing your act. But he's not doing my of act. Course. He's just adapted a little bit of my persona. And and when it's strong, it can't help but seep in, and in a week it'll be gone. I don't worry. No, about I had people do it for 10, 15 years. No, that's years. your business, not mine. I'm talking about me for a change <laughs> on my show, and I know that's throwing you. While you were out taking a piss, why didn't you change your clothes? Because I, I, I can't what, am I share. I'm going to do a wardrobe change. <laughs> Believe me. What am I, Diana Ross? I, what am I, an older reference? No, it's so tragic. Everyone you mentioned, I open for. <laughs> hey, so tell me about that. That's what fascinates me. You mentioned, uh, and I'm, you guys intrigued me because it was it was before I started. I started oh, late yeah, 80s. you were a little kid, yeah. And you guys started in the 70s. Yeah, 71. Where, where did you, 71, you started stand-up comedy. Right. Where did you go? But the improv was open in the late 60s, so that's where, that was the place in New York, and then Catch a Rising Star okay. opened. And when did Catch open? Like seventy two. Okay, so early se- so you did have a you and the Gren- a and Greenwich Village. Okay, even where Bob Dylan played Sunday night, they had Hootenanny for comics, and you guys would all show up. Yeah, and you were all supportive of and each other. You all supportive went out and helped each other with their act because there weren't that many. It was like us versus Carson and Rickles. It was like, what are we thinking about? It was like a dream. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we felt like you know, like. Uh, like young artists and uh, like uh, Monet and Manet going, what are we nuts? You know, I'm going to cut my ear off. You just did, you idiot. You know, <laughs> I mean, we didn't. We, I guess we were passionate. You know, I had no money. My father just died. You know, I didn't. I had. I was broke, and uh, I was living in hell holes, and I had a lot of part-time jobs, and all I cared about was driving into Manhattan every night. And, and you would get on stage every single night, about three just or four, like we did. Three or four shows a night, Great. different clubs in the village in Manhattan. But there were there truly there were a, like there, six of you guys, right? I mean, no, no, there were more than us, but some of us were better than others, so we got the prime spots. And who was it? Who did you start with? Who was your class? Crystal, Andy Kaufman, Freddie Prince, Elaine Boozler, Jimmy Walker came on a little. He started like when he was five, I think. <laughs> you know, really, I always remember this image. I, I told this to Jimmy um, when he got the Norman Lear thing pretty early in his career, and you know that dynamite mm-hmm. thing. I, you know, I would watch him and, you know, back at the time, you had to do the same 30 minutes. You did like 20 minutes set, 20, because it was for Carson. You had to get on Carson. You had to have at least three monologues. Otherwise, they didn't care. So so you, it, you, then you really had to go on there and do the same stuff. And then people would help. Ah, take that out. Take that out. Put that in. Add that. And people would actually help you with better punchlines. So then I, then, then I wasn't thinking about it. I mean, you're a kid. You don't know. But, but you had to have those monologues, three monologues. So Jimmy, you know, so I guess the point of this is that, you know, Jimmy was basically doing his same stuff every night, like all of us were, trying to get on the talk shows. Mm-hmm. So then he gets the sitcom. It's a huge show, Norman Lear. He comes back. I'm ready to go on. It's just like the show's already a smash. 
and I'm waiting to go on, and a limo pulls up on West 44th Street, and it's Jimmy. And he's a superstar now, literally, in comedy. Mm-hmm. And he goes on stage, and it was a big moment for me, transformative moment, because Bud Friedman, you know, no matter who was going to go on next, like, get out of here, you know, boom, he pushed Jimmy right. Jimmy Walker, you know, Dino my, boom, the place went fucking nuts. Now, before the show, we have a young comic, uh, Jimmy Walker, you know. You know, and I and then I immediately realized he was pre-sold before he opened his fucking mouth. And I went, I am never going to quit until they know that I'm coming up. That's and I never did. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't care how long it takes. I felt that I had it. I don't know. How, I knew I needed breaks. We all need breaks. But I was never going to quit. And uh, and I didn't. And it took a long time to be pre-sold because you needed a series, you needed this, you needed that. But when I heard that place erupt, just hearing Jimmy Walker, and I had been doing stand-up for a couple of years with him, I said, it's the same fucking guy. Right. And they went nuts before he opened his mouth. And he wasn't working on his act much out here because he was busy doing the sitcom. Television. So it was basically the same set I heard a year before. That got okay response. Now well, it's yeah, getting... a decent response. Good. Sometimes it depends on the audience. But because uh, I, I think Seinfeld, someone said, there's no such, no such thing as a bad audience. It's a lot of bullshit. I can't If I do a corporate, a corporate in Mobile for the Klan, <laughs> I'm going to go in flames and be then hung. After. Yeah, but that's on you. you got to adjust. Hanged. Huh? Is it hung or hanged? They hung him or they hanged him? Do hanged? You know? I think it's hanged. Yeah. I know, there's a lot of you're well hung and you're hanged. I'm neither. So you're hang, huh? No, you don't have to be. <laughs> what happened? Don't be so down on your penis. Listen, <laughs> it's penis down on its penis. own. Let's huh? tell you that. It's down on its own. My penis now, right now, is in a hospital. <laughs> oh, it's so exhausted. <laughs> it's tired. Well, you had that great run of the 80s and 90s. Of course it's it is. No, 70s, 80s. 70s as well. No, 60s in college. Are you kidding? Summer of love? Oh, banging everybody. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> While we're having, you know, hi, how are you? Uh, intercourse, drinking a Coke. Jesus. My I went to see Wham, and that almost happened. So I know a little bit about what you're talking about. It was about. unbelievable. And I wasn't, the, I wasn't a big druggie in college. And I, I heard about the Jimi Hendrix album. And I play Hendrix when I, on all my shows, the, the album plays, and I come on to Purple Haze. Because I remember someone said, you have to hear this guy. And someone gave me some opium. And I wasn't, again, I smoked marijuana a lot and I and it was 3-2 beer in Columbus it was bullshit you know so I really it, it was after I got into show business when I started it doesn't matter when but uh, the truth is though I was smoking opium I was I thought I was going to be in a dream state like some was Chinese was sage you know or is it sage is actually something you put in a dish I'm a <laughs> wise man but if you is the sage a wise man too or yes, is, that, is. Or is, that, is that like parsley uh, parsley sage. Uh, either and, way, no, it's a Simon and Garfunkel no, like Parsley song. sage. And, yeah, but it wasn't parsley, a Chinese man, and <laughs> chocolate. I think, no, I no, think. It's a spice of some it's sort. It's a spice. So it has nothing to do with wisdom then, does it? No, it does not. See, when I do these faux pas in front of my wife, I'm I'm gone. And I do a million of them. Dig this. I've done this on stage once, but it's true. I love Hendrix so much. And there's a song, Six or Nine. Okay, that's what it's called. And I thought for 40 years... The, the lyric was, if a cyst turns out benign, I don't mind. <laughs> and my wife was, was in the record business. Now she works for urbanfarming.org. Check it out. It's, it's a wonderful charity. It grows food in the inner cities just so people can eat who have no money. But she was a record. Uh, she was in the record business for 20 years. So she knows everything about the music business and all that stuff. And So I'm driving, and 6 or 9 comes on, and I'm going, if a cyst turns out benign, I don't 
And she went, what did you say? I said, yeah, I know. Why would Jimmy say that? I didn't know him. I know his, I, I know his, his engineer and his producer, but I never met him. He was dead. I was in college when he died. But, I mean, I do this all the time. Mm-hmm. I make these faux pas because I'm not illiterate, but I, I don't think – I think too, I'm thinking way too fast, and I don't think – that's why when you asked me before in this uh, podcast, whatever you want to call this, this <laughs> hellcast <laughs> – no, you're, it's a good. No, you're good. This, no, you have you have a good reputation. You know why? You you emailed me that you did. <laughs> I never got a guy who stars in his own podcast saying I'm phenomenal. <laughs> I'm lying. I'm you for your Pardo fans. I'm lying. But he he is a little bit. He he is a little arrogant. But that's that's mainly in you who know and in therapy know that he's because he's insecure. So he has to come off a little you know a little uh, tough. We still talk about Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> oh yeah, Hendrix. No. I'm trying to think I, I, of these I faux pas. Those little slams around me, I get that. The faux pas. The faux pas. I, but on Curb, I did my best. On camera, I called... Ben Laden. Ben Laden. Bin Laden. No, Bin Laden. Ben. B-E-N Laden. Yes. And Larry catches me in these things, too. When he caught me on that, and I knew, I went, I'm fucked. <laughs> I was just thinking about it being aired, and my wife saying, I'm married to a moron. And I did come up out of the blue. No, no. I meant Ben Laden, the shirt maker, <laughs> on 56th Street God, on 7th yeah. Avenue. That was a great ad lib. I must admit, if I can boast. I love your little smile. When, when, he, when he caught you, and you guys both have a little smile, and then the machine works, and then here comes the ad lib. Well, you know, it Gorgeous. works because we are friends. That's the cool part. And I never thought that he would, that he would keep the laughs in early on. And once I said, you better call me by sunset. By sunset. He says, what, am I, what is this, what is this uh, high noon? And then he started laughing, and then I started laughing. Uh-huh. And then they kept it in. And then I, and he said, no, no, people like that because we they are. They love it because you're friends and it shows yeah, friends. And why shouldn't you laugh? You know? Since you brought up Curb, yeah. I will tell you my favorite line in the history of that show. What are you, fucking Willie Loman? Oh, when he's selling his cars? It, it, oh, it is way. my favorite. And then, uh, and I put it down here so I can remember it. What, I about, thought what, what I had, about where I'm performing? But it, I, I thought better I, get that in before. Shut it. <laughs> I thought I had dark secrets. Very nice to treat a guest. Shut it, you well, boy. I'm complimenting you, damn it. Oh. Uh, I, oh thought, that I forgot. God damn it. I'm sorry. Don't forget to get the dates in before. The dates are down, jerk yeah, off. No, you're you're reading it. What are they, uh, David Copperfield? <laughs> you got to read them out loud. Listen, dumb fuck. This guy <laughs> is going to... Uh, read all of I call him moron and dumb fuck's good. <laughs> That's my comeback. You know what dumb fuck means in Yiddish? Oh, King of the Hill? <laughs> King of the Hill, Junior. <laughs> now listen, here's the line I love. I thought I had dark secrets. What the hell is this all about? Loved it. I, I thought I had whose secrets? This is right after, what, uh, what are you, Willie Loman? Yeah. Uh, then you go, I thought I had dark secrets. What the hell is this all about? That's a beautiful turn of phrase. Well, there. I like you. Which could have been you simpler. Won me over. Had you not interrupted I hated you times. until that. Not because you praised me, but that's not even a joke. And the fact that you like that, that was a character-driven line. What the hell is this all about? God damn it. Right after the Willie Loman. That was, that's my favorite episode of Curb. That was a great episode. Yeah, you, uh, and I say that, and I, you know I said Mine is the blind, his Helping back. the blind man move, to me, is my favorite. That's a good one, too. That guy, the guy it was a method, a terrific actor. He was on the next season, too. And it was lunch during the break, he walked around with, like, Ray-Bans on, bumping into people. <laughs> and I didn't know he was playing the blind man. I'm like, who the fuck? Get the fuck out of here. He spilled his lunch all over me. And he's walking around. He well, says, "He said, what's what's down here? Well, look for your fucking self. It's fucking out. It's rice and turkey.' And then he and he's and he's put a spoon in my eye. 
But then, then I realized that he was the actor, and then he was playing but come blind. On. He did it blind all day. But that's ridiculous. Take off your glasses. He's a method and be a actor, human being. pal. I'm a method actor. I would do the same you thing. You would not do the same thing. You well, would I wouldn't. walk around blind during lunch. Well, maybe partially. <laughs> <laughs> I'd wear an eye patch. Sure. There we go. Half and half. Yeah. You don't have to plug anything. I have a lot of big things coming up, but you don't have to plug anything. We're going to plug your dates. Relax. Relax, aren't we over in a minute and a half? No, you've got another... Uh, what? It's almost one thirty. No, it's one... you got to leave at one thirty. I thought it was 12 to one thirty. Good, then leave at one thirty. Whatever. You told me 12 to one thirty, and I said I'm coming at 12.15. Yeah, you made a big... Let me tell you what you well, did. You, this is longer than an hour and a half? It's not. We're in an hour and nine minutes. Oh, oh, I see. Oh, I see. It's when you start. So when I came in here on fire comedically, (laughs) you fucking sabotaged me, you fucking asshole. Let me tell you something. I was hilarious when I came in here, and when we weren't even rolling. We we, we We may have been rolling. We We were were rolling. We were rolling. We're going to keep that in. We'll keep you throwing the soda at me in. That was good. Yes, the thing about Because I was acting. I was just hostile because I was afraid that because people were shooting at me outside. I know. You're scared. Here's right, the thing. Stay here. I'm on the phone with you. Thanks and, for the food here. And, and, I've never I, been to any show in 43 years where there's not anything on a table, anything. There's anything you want in a yeah. convenience store right where below Where I almost us. got shot below. That's why we send the intern. I'm not, not going to send a guy to his death. <laughs> <laughs> God, he just, just channeled Woody Woodpecker. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> was that not Woody Woodpecker? It was Woody Woodpecker. I'm on the a, phone with Richard Lewis. got a bird problem. Richard, over here. He's got a bird problem. Makes no fucking sense. Look at me and listen. I'm on the phone I can listen you. to you with my ears. I don't have to look at you. And you say to me. I don't me, want to look at you. I'm sick of looking at you. I'm a good looking man. You say to me. To your wife. You say to me, so 90 says, minutes is a long time. I can't talk for that long. You haven't shut up for an hour and 10 minutes. What were you? Hey, you thought 20 minutes would be enough. You're terrific. This is what you do. Don't judge me. It's, it's not about us. It's about people who listen this to this. This is what you do. People listen every week, 90 minutes. They're going to be upset I didn't say enough. That's going to be the feedback on this. You get feedback on in the not, internet? Not enough, Jimmy. They're going to say, yes, we get it. Richard oh, yeah, Lewis. that's right. They, they, I stole your... Oh, you know what? You they can blow in, me. I don't give a rolled. shit. <laughs> steamroll. That's how, who I am. I slept here, man. It took me three eight days to get. I took a Greyhound bus here. Sure. So I'm not going to talk. I have to listen to you. To tell you I don't, do I have to... How many, how many Conan stories can I hear in 90 minutes? I don't tell a lot of Conan stories. You don't, do you? I keep it tight. You know, I was on the Claymation episode. You ever, oh, that yes. was, but I, I watched the program. Just That's right. Well, you do I that. Don't just watch things. I do work they on. do they know how hard it is what you do? That is murder. I did it once in my life. I had a warm up for a sitcom, five hours. But I don't do that. I don't do any of that bullshit. I do twenty minutes done. Oh, you're kidding? I open the show. I open the show. Wow. That's it. I'm an opening act more than a warm up. I'm. It's the oh, so you don't game. have to do between. Oh, that's right. That's right. Sitcoms are different. You know, yeah. they go from set, you know, set to set, and then people have to, you know, where are you from? And they, yeah. oh god, it, that, that, that is murderously tough. Those gigs. I, I, those guys have a skill that I. But they make a, them. Yeah, it's a difference. Oh, so you do you, you set you do material. I, well, I work the crowd. You know, that's what I do. Yeah, you, you know, get it. And you, but don't you have to say a little bit? Make make him happy when he comes out. Go nuts, stand up, I all that, that shit. He's gonna walk through that curtain. You're gonna see the applause sign. Get nice and loud. Once he starts his monologue, don't yell out. See you later. Enjoy the show. That's that's the only rule. And I he do. keeps you just doing that. Yes, I'm very funny around that. 
Oh, around that. the way you described it, yeah, it, was like, yeah, it, it sounded was like a like a like long day's journey at the night. I was going <laughs> to kill myself. <laughs> really? It was that hard hitting. It was like Eugene O'Neill's funnier than what you just explained. Again, that was just around it. Oh, the brilliance. Oh, around, what does that even mean? Around dance it. Dance around that. You know, you, your vocabulary is displaced. It's it's or misplaced. Really? He's got a cyst that might be benign. That's true. I look look who's talking. Do you want to hear mine? Yeah. You know the ten CC song? Uh, You're not in love. I, if uh, I heard it, I liked them. Not in love. Not, not that I don't know. You don't know that version? <laughs> not the way you sing it, no. At the end of it, they go... Oh, I do know it. They go, it's a great song. Big boys don't cry. Big boys. You know they say that? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was until the they, last They ripped off the four seasons. Big girls. Yes. Oh, it's big girls don't but cry. But here's what I thought it was. Stay moist and quiet. <laughs> what? Does it sound that close? Probably not. But I thought it was, stay moist and quiet. It does kind of sound like Stay that. moist and quiet. Oh, that's hilarious. I sang it in a car. My friend Paul goes, what are you singing? I said, I'm singing Stay Moist and Quiet. He goes, it's Big Boys Don't Cry. <laughs> and then once I go, shit, it is. So I, for 20 years, I was singing Stay Moist and Quiet. Right, so my wife goes, gets a mammogram, and I'm, I'm freaked out. You yes. know, you're always freaked out when you're, you know. So I was, no, she, 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 I says, well, well, was it benevolent? <laughs> and she almost divorced me. Because <laughs> that was a week after, you know, you know, if your sister's benign. It's right on the heels of the Hendrix yeah. faux pas. I make, it's just. Here's the worst. This is a true story. I met my wife at a party that that Ringo Starr had. And he's a good friend. He's a great guy. He was in the Beatles, right? A drummer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go on. Yeah. I'm, I'm name dropping because why shouldn't I? It's, you know, I've been around. <laughs> I <understand. laughs> Don't make me mention Springsteen. Great stories. All right. Now listen. So anyway. So I had never met George Harrison's widow and she was there. And Danny, his son, who looks exactly like George at his age. At the time, this is like two years ago. Mm-hmm. Like an Easter party running around. I saw really cool people there. and a lot, I knew a lot of them, but I, not a, but I never met uh, Mrs. Harrison or her son. And so I go over there and meet them. And I want to introduce. First, I took Danny. And, and was it Cohen? We might have done... We actually did Conan together. He was he was doing. They had this on this box where you can play Beatles music, and I forget what they call. I don't do those video games. Oh yeah, rocks. Uh, Guitar Hero. Yeah, and he. I was on Conan with with. What's it called? Rock band. Yeah, in fact, and Conan ended the show with Dan, and he was on stage live playing guitar music. Right. Yeah. So I was on like a week later with Danny. I didn't know Danny was going to be on, but it was sort of cool that we were both on. I'm, I'm, I know it was Conan because Conan plays, and he played with Danny, or he played with along with, with the with, however that works. With the okay, so we were on on Conan a week later. So I see Danny, and I and I'm and he looks just like George, and I'm having like a panic attack. Okay, and I and I this is I've done this many times, but this is the worst of this situation. I walk Danny. I said, I want you to meet my wife, Joyce. So I and my wife is already nervous. I can see a beads of sweat. Like, well, how is he going to fuck this up? <laughs> and this was the worst. I went. I said, uh, "I'd like you to meet my wife, uh, Danny. This is my wife, George." <laughs> <laughs> so, Danny was—he's a funny guy. My wife looked at him with the look like. Look at this fucking moron that I married. But they laughed. There was nothing I could do. Right? No, you, George. His deceased father. Uh-huh. It doesn't get much worse than no, that. No, you're not sure. That, and I have a million other buds, but that was the worst. When I called my wife George in front of Danny, 
And it was great when I was, and then I was at backstage at Conan, and I see him in the hallway, I almost ran out of the fucking show. <laughs> but he didn't care, he laughed. Of course he did, he gets it. Yeah, he's Sharp a cool kid. kid, he's a great kid, yeah. He comes around Conan a lot, he's a, uh, the, the crew, everybody loves him over he's there. He's a great Danny guy. Danny Harrison. He's a great guy. And he makes music himself, right? You know, he's there was a time, outfit. back in the day, but all these much, you know what, It's it still could have worked, but, um, but Julian is much older, but... He he. His first couple of albums were murderously great, and it sounded just like John. Mm-hmm. But it didn't matter. He was still great. But um, if Julian and Danny and they got another, you know, and they, and you know, and Ringo's son played drums, forget about it. I don't disagree. I, I like Julian's and, first and, three and if Paul. For some reason, said, you know, I'll do a couple of gigs with you two guys. It would have been, I mean, they they just don't do that. They just, you know, they, they just, you know, for whatever reason, they don't do those things. But it still would have been a trip because they're very talented. Danny and, and Sean is, uh, not, uh, no, not, well, Sean, Lennon, he's, you know, he, I don't is know. It, I don't isn't know. he a DJ? Isn't I don't he? know what he does. I, I know I've heard some of his stuff, but, you know, but Julian, I really love. I he's a too. nice guy. And he's a good guy. And I wish he had, I wish, I don't know, you know, I haven't heard a lot. I don't know what's gone down. I don't think he's done anything. Well, he—I mean—he certainly didn't make it as big as I thought he should have. It's hard to follow his those third, footsteps. His third album didn't have a hit on. First two were murder. First one was beautiful. <laughs> oh, right? Challenging that. I'm telling you, there was no hit on the third one. <laughs> don't put Julian down. I'm going to call him later. <laughs> He'll email you, you. I talked about this with you. I don't wife. know him. I was also him. in the record business in the '80s. So, I heard about so that. All of this is uh, uh, Julian Lennon was my. That was right in my wheel. Wasn't your Wasn't your studio over Seven <laughs> Eleven? Yeah, we were for MCA Records, and we were right what, above what, what, I, was, I was with MCA. Were you really? Yeah, yeah mid uh, mid to late '80s. Wasn't there a great Leonard Skinner song about MCA? Yeah, they, we were a hated label. People did not care for oh, MCA. That's right. Oh, that's right. In fact, uh, a friend, Nadal Cedar wrote a book about MCA, didn't he? Who did? Didn't Willie Nadal Cedar, who wrote um, Dying Up Here, write a book about the record industry? Yes. I think MCA was in part of that, too. I would imagine it was. We were, you know, Tom Petty uh, oh, right, right, hated right. being on MCA, couldn't wait to go to Warner Brothers. Uh, nobody liked being on MCA. I Warner, quit to do comedy. I got a great Tom Petty drug story. Love it. Okay. Go. Petty was opening. Petty and Dylan were touring, and I, you know, I see Bob whenever I can. And I, and I, when I saw him, in, you know, in person, he wanted me to open for him seven nights in a row at the Pantages, but I was bottoming out on drugs, and I knew it would be the end of my career. So I said, I'll do it one night, Sunday night. It would be like, how about this? I, and I was so high, I, I was telling the managers, how about this for the calendar section in L.A.? Lewis Neurotic, Dylan Acoustic. <laughs> yeah, great, great idea. <laughs> so. Dylan said to my manager, he said, um, no, Richie won't do it every night and forget about it. And then I met him and I embarrassed myself, me and Elvis Costello, and met him and I'm backstage. And I have great Dylan stories, but, I, but this is the story I wanted to say. What, what was I talking about? Right, Tom shit. Petty. Tom Petty. Oh, Petty. So it was Petty and Dylan. I get picked up by seven comics. They were smoking some grass that was, must have been laced with something. I get to the forum. I'm gone. Great seats. Everyone, people recognize me because I was already in shows and series and I'd finished anything but, and specials and all. So everybody, I was recognized. But I was scared that I was dying. And I was in the front and I'm lying down like I, just, I made the chair like a straddle lounger. And I told these comments, I don't know what the fuck you gave me. But I'm seeing things. I'm seeing, having visions. I thought I was Christ. I mean, I was, I was, I was always having a breakdown. It was laced with something. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just strong grass. It was something. They didn't know. I mean, they were happy. They were having a ball. So 
I said, just do me one thing, one favor. I do. I don't want to be on a gurney. I would rather have died than be. Don't take me back into the bowels of the forum and and, and see two nurses. Richard Lewis, what's wrong? Huh? <laughs> I don't know. I'm Christ. You know, I didn't want any of that to happen. So, I, ladies and gentlemen, Bob uh, Bob Dylan, out like a light. I woke up after the third encore to the applause. So I missed the whole show, the entire three hours. They got me home safe. About five months later, Petty's playing alone at the amphitheater. I get tickets fast. Now, I didn't know his management, so I had to go the right, you know, the normal way. Usually, I, you know, I'm lucky. It's a perk. You know, I call a manager, get him, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So I get, like, fifth row center, and I four of them, with my ex-girlfriend at the time and my two friends. I said, we're going Saturday night. Great seats, Petty. I love them. I get there. The, it's at the amphitheater. Where you guys? Where do you shoot? You shoot in Universal, right? I know, where do you shoot? No, we, we're at Warner Brothers. You Warner, we were at Universal when it was the Tonight Show. That's right. That's right. Warner Brothers. I'm sorry. So I would go to Universal, and um, and I'm in the front. Everything people. I'm right in the front there, so I'm pretty. No, hey Richard, how you doing? But I, I get. You know, it happens. It's part of the. It's not. I'm not knocking it. Just so it's this very nice couple walk over, and they. I thought they wanted an autograph or something. Going. Mr. Lewis, I go, how, how are you? you? Call me Richard. Mr. Lewis, only my high school principal, or Dick, or Mr. Lewis. I don't like that. So uh, what's going on? And they're standing, they're like lurking. I go, what's up? They go, you're, you're in my seats. I go, no, no, I'm not. Because in my head, I bought these six months ago, okay? Because I missed the, I, you know, it wasn't Dylan, but it was still petty. That was good enough for me. And they said, I'm sorry, and this, this, these are my seats. And they said, Mr. Lewis, we're really big fans, but you're in our seat. <laughs> I go, well, I'm glad you like my comedy, but get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so they leave. I didn't say get And I was nice, but, and they bring back an usher. Uh-huh. He says, Mr. Lewis, I have to ask you, this. I have to see your seat, your tickets. I went, this is, you know, this is, and now people... Now this this is like twenty minutes before the show. Hey, get out of the stage, Lewis! You bomb me a piece of shit. I mean, they get on you so fast. Uh-huh. All right, they thought I was like ripping some young nice couple. So that I take out my tickets. Petty played Friday and Saturday night. I had tickets for Friday. Oh, I was in their seats, and I didn't know any of the managers. So, you know, there's usually something to do. Uh-huh. Stand on the back, on the left, on the so stage. So you just had to leave the venue? No. No, what, no, what my option was? The mosh pit. No, thanks. <laughs> I said, you know, there's never been a Jew in a mosh pit, <laughs> let alone I'm going to stand there with, and get crushed for three hours. So I missed it. So I ran to Petty at, at Gary Shanley's birthday party. He didn't laugh too hard at the story. I thought it was a funny story. <laughs> he just stared at me. Yeah, if, I you, said, I missed it twice. You ever think he laughs at all? You ever I don't know. Petty I'm not laugh? friends with Petty. Yeah, rightfully so. The two of you wouldn't hit it off. I really don't see you guys getting together. I, I don't feel we should analyze me and uh, Tom Petty. <laughs> I think we should. I think we should I love this work. Of seven minutes of the two of you. Uh, I don't see you and Petty hanging out. Well, we don't. Not because of that. I think it's because of that. Because I miss his both shows. He's I was furious. loaded. He's furious. <laughs> he's furious. He's furious. That's why I didn't laugh. right now? Funniest thing he said in an hour and 12 minutes. <laughs> That he's furious. It's the only thing I've said in an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, you see, you're trying to get your fans on my ass, man. No, 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 no. My fans know that you're one of my heroes. This is, so listen, this is a joy for me. Yeah, don't, don't, you don't have to fucking stroke me, man. This is all bullshit. <laughs> I'm just glad you only have to do 20 minutes in front of, for Conan. 
You know, doesn't Smiley make you do forty? Do forty tonight. Smiley to doesn't. Do, I don't deal with Smiley. Oh, he's a booker. We he's talk a, about he's, baseball. He's together. a he's a producer now, isn't he? Yeah, good for him. I he like. Deserves it. It. He's a good man. I, I know his. I know him and his brother forever. The Smileys. The Smiley. Well, You're a baseball. Are you a baseball guy? I'm a big sports guy. Who's uh, your baseball team? Who's your squad? I was born in Brooklyn, so once I moved out here, anyone uh, from the Korean, Dodgers? the Brooklyn Korean ping pong team, I root for. <laughs> Anything other than, I'm not an LA person. I'm a New Yorker. So you know, right now I used to be the Jets and the Mets, but right now I could care less. The Giants, Jets, Yankees. Now I'm pulling for the Yankees and the Giants. The Jets are in trouble with this whole Debo thing. It's hilarious. I don't follow football, so I don't. I don't know. I I, I only follow baseball. Yeah, well, I it's think America's uh, pastime. I, it was amazing that the Oakland run. I, I'm, they still have a shot. Yeah, I, they're down by two. Oh, as, so they as, are down by two, record. and they're going to Detroit. Yeah, now they're oh, in Detroit. Oh, it's over. It's over. That's over. It's over. But I'm, it's good to see the Triple Crown player play. I like it. It'll be fun. I'm a White Sox fan, so I was a little upset with the. Tigers, I thought you were going to uh, end it with "I'm white." Just then, I swear to God, no, I'm I white. <laughs> I thought that was like I thought I was like in some kind of like neo-Nazi. That's meeting. how we close the thing. Our Hi, I'm white. Good night. And then we talk about our. That scared me so person. much. I thought you were going to take a pause. Just, I'm white. <laughs> uh, that was Richard Lewis. Thanks for coming. I'm white. <laughs> That's how we end all shows. By this, saying you're this white. This is a white supremacy show. <laughs> That's how we wrap. It's like those show. groups in the South that dress up in suits and it's really just a cover for being a yes. part in favor of the Klan. We let the homosexual that really blow our, you know, make our cover, and then we do this. They're using you're using a homosexual as a prop. Yes, prick. <laughs> yes, How dare you, homophobic asshole. <laughs> <laughs> How are you a really right right wing neocon kind of? No, guy? yes, <laughs> yeah, I am. No, huh? of course not. Of course not. So I was, when we invaded, I was on tour with Clinton and uh, Gore for years. They didn't like no, the guy that came where, before Where me. are you politically? I don't know. It's not your business. Oh, you don't want to turn off half the audience. By the way, I would stay away from politics because if they love you and you're not on their side politically, they will turn you off, man. You don't have to tell us that. we got. Uh, if it were the old days, we would have bags of hate mail. Wow. You know, you got, they don't – religion yeah. and – I don't care. I talk about it on stage because I don't give a shit. I, you know, I go on stage, and I do well, generally. I was in Dallas. I went, I'm a Jew. There's nine left. Come get me. I'll kill half this fucking audience. And they laugh. Because I, I, I do it with a twinkle in my eye, but I mean it. I will, I will kill half of the fucking audience. And I say, and by the way, I don't have a tail stick down on my ass. I don't know what you read. I said, I'm not taking my pants off, but I do not. Jews don't have tails. But they the believe this shit. True. The horns thing's true. Well, that's why I have a wig on. Ha! <laughs> you chose, chose that as the wig, huh? Yeah, to cover the horns, the chew horns. <laughs> All right, listen, his name is Richard Lewis. He's got a book out. You can get it. No, forget the book. I did it 10 years ago. It's a good read, though. <laughs> <laughs> the other Great Depression. I, 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 I actually think you should. people should go out and get, if you love comedy. Yeah, the other one. Yeah, that William Navel's Theater read. Go on Amazon. Get it used. Paperback. Is it, uh, I'm dying up here. It's a great, it's a great book. You have read. to read it. Yeah. It's sad for me because uh, what happened in the book with my best friend in comedy, when, the first guy I ever met in comedy, it was the guy who... Is that the, who, the yeah. guy that jumped? Yeah. It was really horrible. But, you know, you know, he, you know I wrote in the book, too. I mean, it, you know, people who come to Hollywood to try to make it, I mean, it takes... If you, if you have the craft, then you have to get a break. But if you empower these people... The agents, the managers, the buyers to give you credence for what you do, you're fucked. You got to just believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm preaching here because I see so many people get crushed by talentless assholes with a lot of money who live in mansions, who have don't have the who couldn't get up on stage in one minute without puking their guts out. 
and it pisses me off because they'll they'll judge these artists and they'll they'll believe them. Fuck them. Do your thing. Be true to yourself. And if you get a break, you'll make it. If you could just make all I ever wanted to do was make a living mm-hmm. being a comedian, and I and I did. I had to have some part time jobs the first five, six, seven years. I didn't give a shit. Because, you know, doing the part-time jobs during the day, then driving into New York and the village and hanging out, and then all of a sudden, like, a big star walks in and sees your set. I didn't care that I had I had no sleep and how to be a, you know, whatever I did. I did a lot of crazy part-time shit. But that's all part of it. You know, I don't know. It's I'm just... The, the, the weird thing be, being my age now is that it's a little scary. The cool thing is that I don't feel that I have to prove anything to myself anymore, which is really empowering be honest with you so I am better at what I do now because I don't give a fuck mm-hmm. about I care about the, only the audience I don't care about what anyone who even reps me people you know critics sure I'd rather get a good review but I don't give a fuck I've gotten I've gotten enough feedback after 43 years that I don't care it's a great it's really freeing as hell so uh, I advise you if you name where I'll be to see me because I am Nuts. I've been married for, you know, uh, eight years almost, and it's murder to be a, a, an affection sex addict junkie and, 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 and be monogamous. So I'm crazier than a loon now. But uh, I, you know, I, the consequences of, uh, of having, an, uh, a, you know, an eight-second orgasm and having my wife leave me is just absolutely so pathetic. I'd rather jerk off to a loafer. <laughs> <laughs> Are you, when are you going to end the show with I'm white? Because if you do, I'm going to shoot you right in the fucking head. Because that's so racist. But accurate. Huh? It's accurate. You, that, you're using our homosexual friend here just to make believe like we're at a UN meeting. Be clear. Not a friend. He's an intern. <laughs> oh! You are on fire. You know what, know what your problem is? You're, dis, you're a dyslexic comic. You get funny at the end. <laughs> I'm probably allowed to talk at the end. Oh, here you go. You're really trying to have yeah, your people yeah. bury right, me. Now, listen. What a joy. We're Why t- have a guess if you don't let them show you? Mo- They're sick of you. <laughs> Why should you do all the talking? It's your show. Right, listen, you're not wrong. Not about me, anyway. You're you're here. You can't respect 43 years? We're not going to talk about the wrong guys. If a guy's We're here, not he, talking about If it. a guy's on a, a Comedy Central show and he's 24, then you should talk 80% of the time. Not with me. I'm sorry. What did I say before we got here? I said, it's probably going to be Richard Lewis holding court, and I love it. Hey. I was best friends with Buster Keaton's widow, and I'm buddies with Lenny's daughter, and blow me. Okay. I'm white. <laughs> then I won't blow you. We're done. That's it? Yeah. I don't like getting that ending. Can we edit it? You want to tell about a, you want to tell the Sonia Sher tour story? No. Then we're done. But you don't, no one knows where I'm performing. He does it's, it. It's in the break. After. It's in a break. Well, he'll play it in the break. All right. What happened to the guy? Don't worry about plugging anything. Now it's, I was lying. It's the only reason I'm here. God damn right, yeah. You got all these dates coming up. Texas, Chicago. I'm going to Chicago Wednesday. Zanies. Oh, you are? Yeah. Hey, how's that new place? You know, haven't the, been there yet. The Rosemont? You're going to do it? No, I'm doing downtown. But Rosemont's near the airport, isn't it? Yes, and I'm staying near the airport. I made some mistakes. That's a huge mistake. I'm staying in Chicago. They have to drive me back to my hotel. Well, that's because you know, I'm me. Yeah, I'm 44 you. years and I'm an idiot. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> I get it. I know. Let him. You have to read this. He knows. He's going to do it. No, listen. You're great. Thanks so much. I had a lot of fun. Listen, we'd love to have you back sometime. Oh, and, God. You piece of shit. <laughs> How dare you? I didn't even take these things off my fucking ears yet. Now I'm going to risk my life. We're not so, done yet. We're I'm not so done. fucking hungry. Put it back on. We're still on the air? Yes. And you had nerve and the balls to ask me back when no, I haven't even I said left. we'd love to have you 
back as a professional. I had to hire two two bodyguards to walk me here. Listen, I did it on the air as a courtesy. I'm not going to ask you off air because I'm not interested. <laughs> About what? Having you back. We got through this. <laughs> you asked me back. Know what I would do? Kill your family. <laughs> They all get wiped? Wiped. And you're single and you can drink. We'll both move to Maui. We're back in Maui drinking. That's Garrett. That's Elliot. That's Matt. This is Richard Lewis. I'm Jimmy. Goodbye, everybody. We'll see you next time on the podcast. AK-47, gone, not forgotten. If you enjoy Never Not Funny, why not sign up for the Players Club? You get full video of every episode and an extra show every week when you become a member. Sign up now at podcast.com. This has been an Earwolf Media Production. Executive Producers Jimmy Pardo, Matt Belknap, Jeff Ulrich, and Scott Ackerman. For more information, visit Earwolf.com.